What is up, guys? How's it going? Hope you're having a very, very good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you're coming from. And we're back for another episode of the Group Up Podcast. We're here for the great 2023 debate. As the year comes to a close, what a year it has been. And I've brought an awesome lineup today to discuss it all. Let me introduce them. In the bottom right is my man, Stylos, a fellow Brit representing. How are you doing, Sty? Not too bad. How are you doing, SPB? I'm good. I'm good. Excited to get to chat to you again. It's been a bit since we had you on the podcast, but always yeah, good to... Yeah, I think uh... that the last one was four hours long. Please don't be four hours long today. <laughs> no, no, Please no. I, we've got we've got places to go and things to do. So uh, on that note, in the bottom left, potentially joining me afterwards for, for CarQ's, uh, CarQ's ALS pugs is Flats. Flats, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Yeah, I will be. So uh, we have to have like a soft, hard cutoff around that four o'clock area. So in like two hours. Yeah, so expect this to not go on much more than two hours. I will try. Obviously, you know when we, when everyone gets in on the podcast, we just start going off and emotions come flying and there's it's thoughts we have to express, but we will try our best to join for that important cause for our homie CarQ. And in the top left, he, this is not a style choice. He is very, feeling very unwell, <laughs> so I'm thankful for him joining us. It is Coach Spilo. Spilo, what's up? Doing all right. This is, to be fair, this isn't a major step up from my normal attire. <laughs> so at least now I just have a good excuse for it. It's true. Someone in chat says Spider looks like it's his first time playing poker, and I think that's absolutely fucking true. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's absolutely true. But we will play no games with you here today. We've got the straight shooting, the straight to truth. Uh, so we're gonna go over everything that's happened in this year. I'm gonna I've done some digging in the archives of the events of Overwatch, the patch notes, the director's blogs, everything that's basically been coming through from Overwatch, and we're gonna go through all the major beats going season by season. But before we do that, firstly, I just want some general thoughts from my guests on how they review 2023 big picture themselves. Guys, in many ways, this is, as we were discussing before we went live, this is kind of the year Overwatch, right? We launched 2022, but it was like October and before we knew it, 2023 was upon us. So looking back now and in what is truly the first year Overwatch 2, big picture, your feelings on it, success, failure, on its way or on its way down. So Stai, you, you kick us off. What's your, what's your thought process? So it's kind of, it, it's, it's a year, but it's sort of split in two because it's sort of, you've got pre-invasion and after invasion and sort of like the pre-invasion, you're still not really, the messaging is still mixed around the game. We still don't know what Overwatch 2 is genuinely supposed to be. Are they just going to fully support um, PVP again, which is all they ever needed to do with Overwatch 1, by the way, but whatever. So... <laughs> We go, we go through that, and then after Invasion, obviously, we, we get the infamous, yep, um, PvE is, is really scaled back. Um, we are still going to do some PvE experiences, but that was setting us up to kind of jump way far forward into BlizzCon, where they then start talking about, because there was a couple of notable things they said at BlizzCon. Um, Walter Kong and uh, Aaron Keller, in between them, I'm kind of ad-libbing a bit here, but they basically said that they've got, People on the team now working on Overwatch 2 that haven't touched Overwatch 1. So that's a direct statement that this is a new game. And also, there is a that PvP is the focus. That's what we're looking at. And that's what we're going to do. So there's clarity of vision there, which is good, which I don't think we had up until Invasion because it was like, who really, like, who knows what's going on? So to me, it's kind of split in two. And I wish we started off how we are now. <laughs> to get a full year of that kind of development because this is a PvP game. It's not a PvE game. Would be nice to have elements of PvE. I think like, you know, 
I'm probably on record somewhere saying, hey, it'd be great if we had like a Destiny style experience. Maybe we had like raids or something like that. It brings a different type of player into the game, but ultimately it's a PvP game. And finally, they've realized that. At least that's what it feels like to me now. Mm, I think that's well put. It, it was in many ways. There's like a, a before invasion and BI and a you know after invasion and AI. Wait, that's a dodgy acronym, but you get the point, which is no. that, which is that, yeah, it, it, does, it has felt like there's been a tangible shift. Flats, how do you view it? Do you view it similarly? This was like a, it was like everything was until PvE was like one way and we're in a different way now, or do you view it differently in some way? Uh, kinda. Um, <clears throat> I I was starting to get really kind of fucking annoyed back in like season three, season four, season five because like season one, season two, like right, like things like look like it were gonna be good. And, like a lot of people, a lot of creators, like hyped the game up. It's like holy shit, this looks pretty good. And then, like, after that, like, right when it started to, like, start to slide, silence. And there was, like, that, there was, like, that four-month period where, like, they just stopped talking again. They went back to old Blizzard shit. And now we know what it was. Like, they were too scared because, like, they knew they were going to cancel the whole PvE thing. But that really sucked because, like, we just kind of slid for a few months and just felt terrible. And then we just got hit, like, one, two, three, four, five times in a row with, like, the killing blow being the PvE one, it's like, ah, shit, this sucks. Um, and now here we are, you know, after BlizzCon, where I agree, like, it looks like they have focus now, they have direction, they know what they want to do, and it's, in my opinion, the correct decision. Even though I would have wanted the PvE game, I actually think that, well, at least with the original scope, would have been really hard to do with what their current team is. But I also don't feel bad for a billion dollar company that doesn't want to hire more people to make the game. I, I just, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just don't, I don't feel bad for you. But, um, but at the same time, I feel bad for the people that had to work on it. Um, that had to pull the double shift because they were trying to like keep the PVP happy while also working on this PVE thing. It wasn't really feasible. So, uh, I'm with you. I think it was the right call, but it does, it does almost, I don't want to say it feels like a year wasted. It just feels like another like, half a wait year again you know and almost even right now waiting for season nine i almost feel like we're back at the beginning of overwatch or the end of overwatch one we're all sitting here like nah shit like we just we can't the season's not that fun but then we have next season and that's supposed to be fun so we can't do anything but hurry up and wait yeah maybe that's the trap of overwatch that how it keeps us addicts going that we're, we're always waiting for the light that comes and light maybe doesn't shine as brightly as we thought it would and yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I do feel like this season has, has become a bit of a forgotten season again. And looking back, there were a couple of these as I was looking back on, on the archives as well, like season five, for example, was such a, a forgotten season in many ways. And we'll get into that as we go into it. But before we do that, Spilo, give me your big picture impressions of 2023. Uh -huh. How do you rate it? Uh, I mean, it's tough. Like, it's always like half 50-50 with, with Overwatch 2 where it's like, you know, how good is the actual game? And how good is the perception of the game right now? And certainly from people that play it more casually or from the outside looking in, um, it's a terrible game, right? It's a garbage game, garbage communication, PvE, cancel, 5v5 is bad. You know, a lot of these things here that are, you know, may or may not be true. But I guess it's like you have to really be on the inside. You have to be playing the game consistently to really know how good the game is. And, and honestly, it's like, you know, it's not perfect. There's a lot, there's a lot left to be desired. Um, and so I think like, what where we're at right now from a business standpoint is not just like what Stylos and Flats are saying, where it's like clarity of vision, whether it's like the PVP or PVE, where are we going? What are we doing? What's our philosophy uh, and, and the communication along that. But also like, I think the, the, the important thing needs to be that there needs to be like a build back in trust, right? Um, looking at it from like a business standpoint of like, what is this game going to be in the future? 
Uh, I'm not so sure, um, you know, how how well the PvP side of thing is going to go, but they, they absolutely have to build trust back, right? Uh, and that's going to take a long time. So I kind of like, I see where Stylos is saying where it's like, if you look at Overwatch 2, it's like 50% pre-invasion, 50% afterwards, 50% pre-PVE hope streams, and then the hopes and dreams are crushed, and then now, like, what's the next step? Um, and I hope that they just continue to, like, communicate, like, what what's the next plan? Because I think that... The real tragedy is, is not necessarily when you try to do too many things, although that's difficult. Um, you know, a game like Elden Ring, right, is I think a good example of a game that does a lot of things, but does them well, right? Um, which would speak recently to what you've been playing SVP. Uh, but I, I think more than anything else is like just having a clarity of vision. What are we doing? What are we here for? Communicating that well and doing that well. Because I think the most frustrating thing has not been the bad decisions necessarily, but when we don't know what's going on and we don't know what the vision is, we don't know what the purpose is. And is this going to be PVE or PVP? And like, what, what's the, like, even like right now, we still don't really know what the, the what the balance philosophy is for Overwatch 2. Um, that's a personal pet peeve. Um, and so I think for moving forward, there has to be a lot of trust built back, uh, not just from like an enjoying the game standpoint, but just to get new players to play the game. Hello guys, SCB here and the Goop Up podcast is back and I'd like to take just 30 seconds of your time to talk to you about two quick things. Firstly, Patreon. If you enjoy the content, then please do consider supporting directly because Patreon takes only about 10% of the money you give where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So if you'd like to support the podcast, then that is the best way to do so. Secondly, if you're someone who enjoys video essays or detailed analysis of movies, TV, or anime, then please do check out my second channel, The Soak, where I'll be making videos about those kind of topics much more frequently and where a lot of my attention will go beyond just Overwatch. It would mean the absolute world to me if you guys would check it out. But that's it for now. Let's head back to the discussion. Yeah, I, th I think that all you guys bring up really, really good points. And I think that confusion has been shared internally, too, from the dev team. Like, they... You know, I spoke to Jared personally and he, you know, he said himself, like, we actually kind of didn't really know what we were doing. Like, we were kind of winging it. And you can imagine, you can read between the lines to understand that they were kind of thrown into the deep end, particularly by Bobby Kotick, who we will mention in a minute. But, you know, they I were kind of thrown in. SUV, sometimes you get like, um, you, you've got like the game and the product. You've got a very unique game, regardless of whatever they're doing to it. Then you've got the product and it's like, what, 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 how do these mesh? You know, how do you make a product? You know, I'm talking about things like the monetization and, and not even that, but like the way the game is delivered to the audience. Like Spilo is saying about the communication, that's an issue because that, that reflects on the product, not really the game. It's not the people playing the game. It's the external view of it. And Overwatch is like, um, this, this, is, uh, this is from a while back, but there was, um, when Overwatch would hold, uh, so Overwatch 1 would hold three weekends, hardly any of the players would actually even finish a game, a a game they would be like what the hell is going on here so it's difficult to get people into overwatch anyway so obviously going free to play helps with that you get them in but still it's what is going on in the game and yeah you know, but this this thing it's it's always this like dichotomy in my head of like you've got the game which is very unique even if they destroy the balance whatever you've got a very strong game you've got very strong heroes you've got a, a you know a very fluid game a great fps engine all of this stuff so it works really well but then what's the product that's always been an issue for me. Battle with this constantly. And yeah, like, exactly. And it's been like that for the devs too. They're clearly figuring it out. They're clearly trying to like understand the pace of what they're going. And it, and it does feel like, as you said, Stai, that they, they're kind of getting a grasp of it now. And that's the sentiment that Jared told me where he's like, yeah, Maybe we're Microsoft kind of... Microsoft set them free. I don't know. Right. And this is exactly what I was going to bring up next, which is that this will be an interesting year coming up because it's another huge shift. And then hopefully 
that shift will be in a good way. Of course, it might mean we're we, we back into, uh, well, they've got to figure it out again now that Microsoft's at the helm and Microsoft has a different idea and the dev team have a different idea. So there is a chance that we're, we're optimistic, but it ends up actually another year of confusion and, and changing directions. But for now, fellas, big news. Before we get into the back end of, of the rest of the year, we're ending on a high because as of today, as of recording this podcast right now, Bobby Kotick is gone. Can I get a round of applause? So Bobby Kotick officially leaves Activision Blizzard today. He takes a fat paycheck with him, but who cares? Get the fuck out. We finally have a same... Potentially, it can't get much worse, even if they're not as uh, a delightful and new uh, head as we might be. He's out, and now the Microsoft merger in full effect comes through. So I'll take it to Flats first. Flats, any thoughts on... We obviously don't know what exactly is going to happen, but any thoughts just on the fact that Bobby's leaving and <clears throat> what it might mean for the Microsoft era. Um, I mean, legitimately, you couldn't get worse. Like, <laughs> it honestly doesn't matter if Microsoft has no fucking clue what they're doing. It legitimately couldn't get worse. Like, that was probably the worst case scenario. Like, the amount of stories that have been told and, like, both, like, publicly or, like, you know, you see, like, people like, oh, like, you know, uh, we had this weird meetings or like we we heard these like you know he was just do these weird things or give us these weird projects there has been so much that has been fucked and our game specifically was a giant target like we actually got probably fucked more than any other game period by him so even if microsoft comes in it was nothing right and everyone's running around with their chickens with their heads cut off throwing shit at the wall it will still be better will it be a, mo a lot as better as like some people hope i don't know i'd like to be optimistic about it but uh yeah just get the fuck out we're good to go very happy sty i mean you're usually very good at knowing what's going on in sort of the the back end of the industry and any indication from what the devs i spoke to they seem very happy with phil spencer and they, they say that phil has been genuine and, and kind of really interested so what do you think is going to happen with film under, you know, on the helm? Well, I think to be honest, like Blizzard is now going from being a major component of a company to literally a, a grain of sand in a massive beach of Microsoft. And it's, I mean, what are they worth? $3 trillion. They're getting on for that. I think Apple's worth $3 trillion. I'm sure Microsoft is like $2.8 trillion. I mean, that is, that, is, that is ridiculous. So they're absorbed into that world now. So I hope there is less pressure on them to deliver because... Whatever they do, it will not materially impact Microsoft's share price unless they did something unthinkable. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like they could literally, Overwatch, this is going to sound extreme, but Overwatch 2 could fail completely and it wouldn't even affect Microsoft. Wouldn't affect their bottom line in any way because it's such an insignificant amount of their entire portfolio. So I hope that it means that the management layer, you know, which then filters down to the devs, it's all, it's, it's go, go away. And let's change like the, the the stack ranking of this game. Let's go. It, it, it's about you know games are art, then they're entertainment slash gameplay, and then it's business. But with Bobby, it's business, 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 business. Minimal dev time, whatever. Rinse, rinse, more money. Because what affects Bobby, or, or rather affected Activision Blizzard in the past, was if your MAU, so your monthly active users, are going down, if your revenue is going down, that affects your share price, and your share price is going down. That shouldn't affect blizzard anymore but this all depends what microsoft do with them like i mean my hope is they just go blizzard you're your own thing again off you go just go and 
go and do what you do because whatever you want to say about blizzard they have delivered some of the greatest gaming experiences that there have been you know but we've had to deal with a lot of absolute shit recently because of all the the you know the bobbification of gaming to make as much money as possible which is gone now so yeah and and that seemed to be the sentiment coming through during blizzcon where you know phil spencer's whole thing when he when he comes out for blizzcon was like we want to let blizzard just make the games they make we don't want to interrupt them we don't want to like hold them back we just want to you've got to let them ring. cook that's the thing right you know you can't can you can you imagine being a developer and you're working on some like awesome feature bobby comes through and goes uh, hey we need more designs for souvenirs you're like bobby what you know what i mean it's like can that we're working on this now that's yeah yeah and spilo that you know that can't have been a good environment that can't have helped with anything as much as we have the criticisms so do you think that like we do have a chance to see a, a true vision of Overwatch 2 with with all these shackles removed yeah i mean yeah potentially i mean like like flat says it, it couldn't possibly get any worse. I think the irony is like whenever you look at some of the most successful products, the most successful, especially this artistic stuff, whether it's a game, movie, books, whatever. Um, the irony is like when the product becomes more important than the experience, the game, the, the movie, whatever. When the monetization, the productization of the item becomes such a priority, then the irony is that ends up adversely affecting the product um, because it's 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 so revolving around short term, short term. I mean, look at Overwatch right now. Like obviously. It's really impossible to know, you know, what could have, should have been. But you can't sit here and tell me that the forcing of looking in the short-term things and the monetization model, and even even early on in Overwatch 2, you can't tell me that that didn't hurt revenue. Um, just through people getting turned off at the whole approach, right? You have to produce a good product, and then you can charge money for it. Um, the problem, like I said, is when people put the priority, like, like, like Stai was saying, like, when you get these people in the leadership positions, that stuff trickles down. You know, that, can you imagine how demotivating that must be to understand that, like, you might be a very passionate developer or somebody up in the big wigs and you, and you have to deal with that. Like, that is, that's not only demotivating, but that's going to chase a lot of people out of good people out of good positions, right? Uh, you look at something like the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. You look at something like FromSoft games, right? The first thing that comes to mind is not successful. Obviously, they are extremely, extremely monetarily successful. But those people really care a lot about their product, about their project, not from a money-making standpoint, but about the quality of it. I mean, from the top down, from the very, very top of those businesses all the way down. Um, you know, and obviously I'm a bit of a Hobbit movie hater um, because <laughs> that, that's where you could see exactly what we're talking about right here. When the product became more important than the project and you see what the result happens and, and you see, and I'm not familiar with how much money the Hobbit movies made, but I can't imagine it was any more than the Lord of the Rings movies. So... Um, you know, skeptic aside, I think like you have to find a balance. Obviously, these people are in it to make money. Um, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, you know, shareholder price is relevant. It's naive to say that it's not. But when the pendulum swings too far to the opposite side, you know, you're 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 going to screw yourself over. And I think that that's something that we saw over and over again with Overwatch. Yeah, and I I completely concur with the points that all three of you have made. And I think the other thing I would add is that the brand of Blizzard finally has a chance to. To fix itself because for so long it's been taking a real beating being associated with activision right like the t team four in particular felt this where when we look at the scandals the sexual harassment stuff team four had no involvement with any of it and yet they constantly got labeled in with with bobby and his frat boy culture and all the shit that he was pulling and it affects negatively blizzard and even if 
these things, I know gamers are fickle and, you know, often people will call to boycott X thing or they will denounce X thing, but mostly they just use it as a punchline and then they continue playing whatever game they want to anyways. So even if it doesn't necessarily affect the playtime of Overwatch, which it may or may not have done, I think one thing it tangibly does affect is the employees. As you pointed out, Spilo, as well, like it's, it's not just about what the public thinks, it's about the people who want to work for Blizzard and the people who don't want to work for Blizzard anymore. And we saw many people leave under under Bobby's leadership. And you just know that many more would have thought twice about joining Blizzard because of the affiliation with Activision Blizzard, right? Because in the yesteryear, Blizzard was the the company to work for. If you were a game developer, it's like, oh yeah, I work for Blizzard Entertainment. Like, that's incredible. It's an incredible thing to have on your CV. Nowadays, you look at it and you think, do I, do I really want to be working for... Actually, you know, back then, SVB, I mean, you guys may have heard this phrase before, but you had the, the sort of Blizzard tax on your salary because you're working at blizzard you're not paid as much as your peers at other companies but it was fine i work at blizzard look at this and like svb said i mean imagine the guys who worked on you know well we can't really use world of warcraft or even overwatch as examples but basically good quality developers go in they know they could make more money elsewhere but they're working for blizzard this is great off we go but obviously you know with everything that happened that that blizzard tax is now you're just paying me less so i'm not working <laughs> it no more and also i don't want to be associated with this you know, but one thing I do want to say about that quickly is it is in an ideal world. Yeah, everyone can say bollocks to their boss and just go and work wherever. But that's not the world we live in. You know, people need to make money. So there are people who are, you know, their situation forces them to stay in places they might not want to be, um, which is probably, you know, what we've seen with some developers at Blizzard. Yeah, and hopefully they don't feel ashamed anymore to be a part of no, Blizzard or they, no. they don't feel like they want to leave. So for our perspective, of course, we hope individually they pursue whatever they find the most fulfilling but yeah any other thoughts on that guys for before we move on to actually going through the year but it is a really important thing i think we need to discuss that kind of we're watching the end of the bobby kotick activision era so any other thoughts you want to office. leave on that return to office too probably a lot of people left i remember there was some good people that left during that yeah yeah and microsoft actually said i remember vivid distinctly they went out and said that we were not we're not going to force people to to come back to the office so uh just things like that they're all really important Actually, I think this this leads in nicely to the to the only really significant thing that happened in January, which again is relevant now because it's almost been corrected, and in this month, which is Overwatch ceased to exist in China in in the start of 2022. So uh, it's interesting because I was reading an article the other day about the fact that actually we're we're apparently an agreement has been as made with NetEase again. So going in 2024, Blizzard games will be available in China again. But it was very interesting that it said blizzard specifically it didn't say activision blizzard which i wonder if it leads to exactly what we we're talking about where it's like actually the the two companies aren't no they're no longer doing deals together right it's not like activision and cod and world of warcraft and blizzard are kind of making the same thing hand in hand no this thing said blizzard specifically and world of warcraft specifically they really wanted to get back into china so guys a quick reflection on that which is that we you know for a year it's hard for us to to know the full impact as players in the western world but it is a big market, and it did have a big effect, namely in Overwatch League, for example. Um, so, Flats, pick me up on just this now. We'll look back at a year without China. What What do you think about what happened in that in that interim period? Um, I mean, that whole China story was wild. Like, that was probably the most openly hostile, like, corporate fuck you I've ever seen. Like, they, like their letter, like, basically said, fuck you, we hate you. Like, get out. And, um... Even, even like, Blizzard's, like, 
player numbers when they released their quarterly reports like was way down because like it was in China and whatnot. It did not look good. Um, but the the other part is though, I mean, like it's hard for us in here in the West, and like you're unless you're really really tapped into that market. But I mean, if you've ever seen the old screenshots of like uh, when 2019 Overwatch League like Hangzhou Spark playing in a mall, and it's like a five story mall, and it is packed from like the railing to the wall, like all the hallways are packed full in of people watching this uh, broadcast of a Spark match. And it's like, we don't have that here. Like that, like though that that would have filled a homestand, you know, from like for some of our games. Um, and so in that time though, Overwatch League has died. So now, you know, you kind of have to sit there and go, well, now that you know Overwatch isn't really like a competitive esport anymore, right? Like, at least in that traditional sense, you know, does it lose its a lot of its appeal in China's in that time? Because like when a game drops off the planet for a year, like you can't play it for a year. Plus now, like maybe that was a big part of like their culture of like loving the game. How many people are going to pick back up Overwatch in China? You know, if it's only a fraction of the original amount, that's still going to suck. 100%. Spilo, you obviously felt this and you saw this on a personal level with the with the evaporation of your Watch League, but... That any any thoughts on that, and also just the wider picture. If you have any potential insights on on what that kind of does to a to a game, um, I mean, not not a whole lot that Flats didn't say. I mean, I'll definitely say that things were really scuffed with Chinese esports and the Overwatch League specifically, like the last year, year and a half. Um, a lot of stories of orgs just not paying and players living out of terrible situations and playing in terrible situations and coaches paying, um, you know, out of pocket. And I don't know how much of that was to do with just the Chinese organizations just pulling out in general, um, but obviously you know it's terrible. It's terrible for the game. It's terrible for the esport. Um, I think obviously the, the game is more important than the esport. You know, even I'll say that. Uh, I think that's just you know again the game needs to be fostered first, and the esport will develop holistically. <laughs> Overwatch League, um, but regardless, you know I, I think like we'll have to wait and see see what happens. Um, see if like like Flats was saying if the eSport was an important part of the Overwatch 2 culture or if just Overwatch 2 enough is, is good enough to bring people back. Um, obviously, it's good to see that maybe it's coming back, but, you know, I don't really have anything clever or creative to say on that. Totally fair. Stai? Did that get confirmed, the story of them? Uh... It's not, it doesn't seem to be 100%, but it was basically yeah. saying that sources of Blizzard say that it has been done. Like, that's what that's what I read. Well, I mean, talking about getting done, Blizzard got done the moment the game got removed and Valorant moved into the market. I mean, that's right. like... The, the, you want to talk about Bobby being a businessman? I mean, that is a catastrophically bad business move to lose. I mean, what's the population of China? Like 1.3 billion or something? I mean, what the hell? What the hell? You know, you cannot lose that market. And like Flat said, the Overwatch League turnout at some of their um, homestand-style events was just... It was like a Mr. Beast meeting or something. It was massive. It was like, what the hell is that? You know, and that did show you there was obviously appetite, sustainable appetite for that in that market. So the fact the game was unplayable for over a year is just absolutely, well, and still is unplayable as of now, I think. It's just crazed. It's absolutely, it's just terrible. I mean, I remember the, uh, <laughs> they had like a gore howl, one of the axes from Warcraft, didn't they, outside their office, and they like smashed it up when the, uh, the NetEase guys did when the, the deal fell through. Yeah, oh, when the, the contract was terminated. So, but yeah, it was terrible. Just a ter terrible thing all around. Yeah, Can you do, like, speak... a little bit of a... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Just, like, very quick. I'm not, like, 100% accurate on the number on this one. 
but give you an idea because like some people really don't understand how big it is like in china um seagull was telling me one time he was telling me old stories he was telling me that like he made it a is it like a weibo account it's like their big social media yeah, yeah. he yeah. made an account for when he was playing uh like pre-overwatch league going into overwatch league they were in china um playing and made an account and he was over 1.3 million followers in 24 hours yeah it's it's, it's crazy i i had a, uh, a video of overwatch on the switch right i filmed it i was like hey look at this first i think me and ign had this video <laughs> although obviously i filmed it myself ign made this fancy video but um it was uploaded to is it billy billy i think it's billy billy it's one of the chinese video platforms yeah, yeah. and it got like 10 million views i was like what what is going on here now are they real figures i don't know but yeah it is it is insane but it was just crazy how could how could you lose that market yeah, absolutely. And the Gorhal story speaks to what Flas was saying, which is that, you know, the, the animosity that came through, like, it's not just one thing that their deal ended, but to smash the thing tells you how, how much they detested seemingly Bobby, because they, they did take some shots at the specific higher up. So hopefully that's behind us and again indicates why we think that the Microsoft deal can, can certainly not get worse. Now, let's let's refocus in now on Overwatch because, you know, that was basically January. Ja by January, obviously, Season 2 was partway through. So... We're going to now kick in through the seasons that were actually launched in this year, starting with season three, February, March. I'm going to rattle off some of the big things and we'll, we'll kind of touch on them all. A quick word first on the forgotten memory of map pools. This was a thing. This was a thing in season three. So guys, map pools, how do we reflect on it now that we've been freed from that cage? I'll go to Sty first. I, I mean, they're just stupid. It's, they're almost as bad as when they were enforcing hero bans and they were just randomly selecting heroes. That was banned out of rotation. It's the same type of crap. You've got all these maps to let people play them. In fact, let us select what type of maps we want to play on. Sort that out, Blizzard. Spilo. I, I think the only benefit of map pools is that we get to dodge bullets, right? Um, but that that isn't really a real solution, you know? How about we just not make them bullets anymore? You know, like, with the, look what they did with Watchpoint, right? Like, I think that that's the, the simplest solution is that any any maps that people really hate to play you know, address the maps, right? Whether it's Circuit or Dorado or, you know, Power ESO, like whatever the case may be. But yeah, I, I, I never really got the appeal of map pools, to be honest with you. They were uh, kind of a dice roll in esports and in terms of like the casual competitive play, I, I didn't really get the appeal. Class? Yeah, no, in the, in the same breath, say dodge a bullet, but then they come out and ban Kings Row, Eichenwald, Hollywood, like, like <laughs> Lee Zhang, just like, ah, oh, shit, dude, I don't even want to play anymore. So yeah, if you thank God they're gone. Yeah, and I I I understand where they came from because obviously they were like, well, we want to make it easier for new players because we don't want them to have like fifty maps to learn. So we want to narrow down the number of maps you have to get used to. And I think they said at the time that we're, we're we will revisit the idea of map pools. We're not done with it hundred percent, but hopefully, you know, looking back at it now, they can kind of think, nah, I don't I don't think people like that, especially with the fact that they keep adding new modes. They seem to be keen on just kind of throwing more stuff at the players, not restricting how much they have access to. So let's hope that doesn't come back. Uh, other other sort of big picture thing that they did in Season 3 was adjust everyone's SR. So if you guys remember, throw your cast your memory back. Season 1 and 2, they had this whole thing where it was like, oh, we've accidentally put too many people in Bronze 5, and people aren't climbing out, and people were complaining that like, oh, well, I went 5 and 1 and I didn't climb out of Bronze 5. Like, what's going on? And a lot of people felt like they were being undersold. With their SR, but season three kind of reverses that, and season three sees vast majority of the Watch community kind of shoot up uh, in their SR and MMR. So I'm curious if you guys have any reflections now on, and this is also the time when they reduced the seven wins to five, 
And obviously, we know that that five is going to go away too. Uh, they add roll delta so that, you know, tanks matching, like your the tank SR is matching the tank SR and stuff like this. So they add all these changes. How do you reflect on the Wild West that was this early seasons of Overwatch and figuring it out? And are we glad that what what's coming in Season 9 is coming? So I'll go to Spilo first on this one. I mean, yeah, it was kind of a train wreck. I distinctly remember having, was it J3 and somebody else had a discussion with the uh, the matchmaker? Uh, SK, I think the it rank was. Guy. SK, yeah, SK as well. So, you know, it, it was a bit of a train wreck. Uh, I remember Season 1, I think Samito placed gold on support, um, which was hilarious. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was a bit of a, a bit of a train wreck. I'm not really sure what exactly was going on behind the scenes, but um, you know, it took them more than a couple of seasons to figure it out, which was definitely annoying. Um, but it seems as if kind of sorted its way out. It's it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, if it ain't broke, you know. So I'm I'm glad to see, you know, obviously the BlizzCon announcement that we're going back to where we were with the SR. That's obviously like really good news. But I guess there was a lot of. Um, not a lot, but there was definitely at least a little bit of boosting once they addressed some of the issues in Season 1 and 2 because, in general, there's like a huge, huge, huge player population that's just really bad at the game, right? That's joining it, which is good, right? Like, you know, that's good. Um, but obviously, that's kind of settled down. Uh, the boosting of Season 3 is kind of settled down. And so I hope we can get back to just... Uh, to me, ranking and MMR and SR is like something that you really shouldn't want to think about. You show up, you play the game, you get the reward, you see your number go up, you see your number go down. If we're having like these extensive conversations about it, that's usually a bad thing. That's usually there's something wrong. It should be a really simple system. Should there should be no mystery to it whatsoever. Um, so the more we move that direction, the better. Sty, is that how you feel? Yeah, I'm going to take you back to uh, January. So at the end of January, um, there was a, a a dev update from Aaron Keller, and this is a direct quote. So this was January this year. The new ranked mode suffered from poor comprehension. There was confusion around players' real rank and how that translated to their skill level, difficulty forming groups with friends, and a negative impression of the matchmaker when players of different ranks were put in the same match, even if their skill levels were similar. We will be implementing some changes in Season 3, which we've gone over, and quite a few more in Season 4, all aimed at creating more clarity in the system. And then says, more details on short-term changes and long-term vision will be coming soon, TM. Well, that soon, TM, was BlizzCon this year where they released the rest <laughs> of the details. But I think, actually, that does give you a bit of a, an idea on how long these things take to implement. You know, I mean, I don't know how long it took them to make the current Overwatch 2 competitive rework, which obviously is a bit of a travesty, uh, especially compared to the old system. Especially in terms of clarity, which I don't know who would be looking at the... The system we've got now with like ranks are all hidden, you know, and it's just the state of the thing. It's, it's such a step backwards. It was just crazy. But anyway, yeah, it takes them, it's going to take them over a year, it looks like, to finally get that implemented. Yeah. I mean, Flash, was this a case of like, hey, fellas, we got a new game coming out. We need to, we need to change everything. We need to revamp everything so everyone thinks it's cool. Do something with the calm system. And they, they kind of mess around and they fix something that wasn't broke, as, as Philo's alluding to, and they make a problem that never existed. Oh, God, this one's such a... Okay, like, I, I have so many thoughts. I'm going to try to get it, like, without ranting for too long. But basically, yes, they were trying to make it so, like, ranked was less anxiety-inducing and invite more people into playing ranked, which I remember when I first saw the system, you remember back when we saw it at the summit in, you know, 2022, I 
pulled Gavin aside for like a 30 minute, like instead of having our 30 minute break, I literally was talking to Gavin for 30 minutes. I was like, this isn't gonna work. Like, <laughs> and we were just going at it, like saying like why, like things are gonna work or things aren't gonna work. And like that their goals are to like, you know, make it more inviting and whatnot. And I'll never forget um, when Summit 1G was on his Overwatch arc, I opened up his stream one night, like two in the morning and he's watching me. I go, uh-oh, that, <laughs> that's not good. And it's me explaining how the rank system works because the rank system at the start of Overwatch 2 was the old rank system with just a new interface. Like in the background, it still worked the same, like off of wins and losses and whatnot. Like there wasn't like the SR was still there. It just, you didn't see it. So I was trying to explain how like you could still climb and you know, it's this many wins for these ranks. And it's like, I was like, it's, you know, it's, a, it's hard to say, but like, you know, Bron like uh, silver five would probably be like the bottom of silver 1500 right and silver one would be 1900 you're like you're getting close and he watches the whole thing he's like camera off because he's doing his summit thing and then he just comes back and goes yep i still don't understand it i was like fuck we're screwed like, <laughs> like yeah, i was like damn dude uh people outside of like the core community had no idea and then you had the problem of rank resets right which i thought was a good thing but the problem was is you were still, like, if you were plat, you got reset to silver, but you still played in the plat lobbies against plat players. Yeah. So you would get shit on, like, your 50-50 Overwatch, and you're like, oh my god, I'm getting ro rolled by silvers, my teammates suck. And it's like, no, it's not your teammates suck. It's just 50-50 Overwatch, you're in the correct rank, but they also are also your rank, so, like, you're getting 50-50, but you see silvers, so you're like, oh my god, I'm losing to silvers, my team suck. Then there was also the inflation of everybody getting boosted up, which I think they figured out pretty quickly. It might have took a season or two, but that also did irreparable damage to both the community and, like, hell, even other streamers. Like, I still still people to this day, like, complain about rank inflation. I'm like, guys, it's gone. Yeah. Like, it's gone. Like, you have to how play. How many clips? How many clips did we see of, like, people looking at their, like, you know, rage, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but, like, raging, pulling up their teammates' career profiles and being like, yo, this guy was gold in season one. And, like, everybody was gold season one, bro. Like, I think that was that was where, like, again, like, whenever it's not clear and there's, like, a shift, people, it's always going to be bad. It's always going to be bad. Like, the monster in the closet that you don't see is always worse than the real thing. And I think, like, the lack of transparency, like, it, it led to so much toxicity. Like, so much toxicity. Yeah, and it's still it's still there today. Like, there's still people that talk about it today. It's like even in top 500, like it's like, dude, you have to win 50 games. If you're at 50 50 Overwatch, you're playing 100 games a season. There's no fucking shot. There's zero percent chance that their season three inflation is still here in season eight. Like it doesn't exist. But people still talk about it, and it's like that mental damage is crazy. So I'm glad we are going back to like the the SR system. Like that is the correct way. Um, but I am very sad. Um, it's almost like too little too late because all those people that came in Overwatch 2, especially like more competitive gamers that wanted to get into the game and, you know, Apex people, Valorant people, you know, like I saw like a lot of them come in, people that I knew or people I met and like their, their want to play Overwatch died very quickly once the fun factor started to wear off because there was no competitive and like they didn't feel like they understood, like the system made no sense to them. They're like, yeah, screw this. Yeah, and it's like one of those things where you do sympathize with the devs because a lot of these aims were noble. Like the uh, the whole let's remove comp anxiety from players. That's a good goal. Like we, we want more players to play up comp and feel like they're not, it's not a world of pressure. But at the same time, you know, it is a comp mode. You do need to take it somewhat seriously. You do need to try and the ups and downs are part of it. So you got to be able to handle that. And it seems like very few multiplayer games get this right. You know, Apex notoriously had 
such a terrible rank system implementation that, you know, it, it might have done the same kind of thing over there where, like, you know, a, a generation of players are are just off that game because they're like, no, this is this was so bad, this was so poorly done. And in their case, it was kind of everybody ending up in the highest rank and there's really, like, encouraging bad play styles. So it is a shame, as you said, Flat. so we kind of... We miss the ball, and that does happen. It's inevitable that if you try something, you'll, you'll get it wrong. But comm systems are so important in a game like this, and getting that right is like, it should be like the absolute number one priority for the long-lasting appeal of a game, but in the whole wider ecosystem, it's easy for it to get forgotten, and, you know, again, if, if priorities are like, let's get monetization better, let's get skins out, then, you know, you, these kind of things get not talked about enough maybe like not enough people are involved in being like is this really good are we are we tested this enough are we sure this is going to go down well and that's so, the question right i think trying things is good i think taking risks is good like any good game like has i'm a big experimental mode advocate right um but you always wonder like is the turnaround time being so slow a symptom of focus is not being enough on like we talked about that the project right because it's like trying something with rank system that's fine but man, it stuck around for, I mean, like I said, from the start of Overwatch 2 until BlizzCon announcement. And to be fair, it's still here, right? So we're now over a year, like what, 13 months, 14 months, 15 months of this rank system? I, mean, I think that's a little too long to try something. Yeah. So I appreciate them trying it, but, you know, we have to get the feedback and the cycle has to be faster. 100%. And I think we'll, we'll hopefully, I mean, it's hard to say whether they will get speedier or not, but hopefully that is something they're paying attention to that, it's great to experiment, as you said, but turnaround needs to be quicker. Any other thoughts on that before we talk about some of the other things that came along with Season 3? Alright, let's move on then to... Uh, I just wanna, I, I wanna, I'm going to foreshadow here, which is that in Season 3, we see them start to mention that supports aren't having a lot of fun. So this is when the dev blogs and stuff start saying, Listen guys, we've noted that support players, you guys say that DPS are killing you too often and that tanks are too strong. We got you. Look out soon, TM, for things coming your way. So I'm just going to flag that up. This is what comes in the communication. We'll talk about that more in a moment. Uh, Hog and Arisa, speaking again of meta things, this was Hog and Arisa land, if you guys can cast your mind back, and one-shot meta. So again, a reflection on any lessons that we picked up from what happened when it was, you know, Hog, Arisa versus double snipers. Spilo, go to you first. You know, you're the kind of the man to talk about balance of the game. So how did you feel about that world? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just some, I talk about that some characters just need to be on a list, that they're never meta in Masters Plus, right? Um, I'm the type of guy, I'm, I'm a little bit starry-eyed, I'm a little bit naive to where I want to rework every tank, every DPS, every support to where, like, they're fine, they got a good skill curve, they're fun to play against, right? But I understand that that's a little bit silly, right? That's not really going to happen. So if that's the case, I just think that there needs to be certain characters that just are never meta. And I think the current iteration of Arisa and Hot Take, the current iteration of Roadhog, just should never ever be meta. Doesn't mean they shouldn't be playable. Um, I think the hero fantasy shooter, you know, uh, Joe Schmo, the plat Roadhog OTP, you know, knock yourself out, mate. Um, but don't. No one should ever play Roadhog and Grandmaster because you have to. Nobody, not once, not ever, never, ever, ever. Yeah, but that's ever. the problem, though. It's designed for Joe Schmo. That's the that's the issue with the balance. Right, right. But see, that's the thing. Is like you need you need a vision because the thing is, it's like. Okay. People talk to me about well, this. Is the ahead, thing. We, we, we don't know what the vision is, do we? Like, I don't that's think it. any of you. That's it, right what's there. The vision? That's it. Because <laughs> right, somebody told me what the balance vision is. What's I, the direction? I, I, see, I see two visions, right? I'm a little bit tunnel vision, so let me know if there's three or four or 12. You know, one proper vision, when I prefer 
is that every character has a good skill curve. Every character, I think there's like this misconception that like low skill characters are needed in low ranks, but that's a load of garbage. I'm going to do a poll at some point in the next couple of months to be like, what is your least favorite character to play versus for bronze, silver, and gold players? And I promise you it's going to be the, the Moiras and the Bastions and the Roadhogs. But that aside, anyway, I think that if every character has a good skill curve, um, then every character is playable. Every character has, you know, is playable on lower levels and player in higher levels. It doesn't necessarily mean more complicated of a character, just a little bit of a healthier skill curve. That's, that's vision number one, right? Maybe that's a little bit idealistic, but that's the one I like. Vision number two is what we just said, where it's like, we understand, and I'm not familiar with games like League, so I don't know where they fall into this, but we understand there's certain characters that just are just, they're just easy characters, and that's okay. Um, but if that's the case, then again, like I said, those characters can't be playable in the higher ranks. And the problem with Overwatch 2 is, is they, they don't know where to fall. I mean, you guys remember was it Overwatch 2's release, right? the dev blog, where it's like, we want every character to be viable. We don't want characters to be countered. I think you had that discussion with Jared Noose, their SVB, where they said that, okay, maybe we've learned that that's not really the case. Okay, well, then those characters should never, ever, a, a high-level Winston should never be forced to swap by a mid-low-level Bastion. Shouldn't happen. And yet that doesn't just happen. Malga. Right, exactly. And that doesn't just happen in Plat. That happens in the Overwatch League. This past Overwatch League Grand Finals, the best Winston player in the world, Gushue, was unable to play Winston because of Bastion, right? And see, to me, that's like, that's where you, that, like, I, I think it's like, first off, we need to know what the vision is, um, or maybe maybe need to actually have a vision. Because as it is right now, it's like, there isn't enough of a discrepancy between characters like Lifeweaver, characters like Ana, characters like Roadhog, characters like Bastion, characters like Winston and Tracer. And that causes a lot of problems with the game. That, that makes a lot of people upset. Um, and the reason why that's especially bad is not only does it affect lower rank players, but there's somebody in this voice call right now, Flats, who wants to play Reinhardt. And Reinhardt's a skillful character. So when Flats plays Reinhardt and the enemy tank goes Arissa on, on, on you know, whatever, right? Flats is going to go rah, 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 and complain and whine. And he should. It's ridiculous. At Grandmaster Top 500. And so you know who hears that? All the Plats and Bronze and Silvers and Golds and, 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 and watching the stream. And so they get this negative perception. I, I think that, like, there's this idea that like we can't listen to low rank players for feedback. I, I don't agree with that at all. I think low rank, uh, low rank feedback is really important. Perception is really important. But you also have to really consider the high rank players, not only because you can have your cake and eat it too, but also because those are the guys that are setting the perception, like the, the, the culture of the over, Overwatch 2, um, your streamers, right? And if they're frustrated and angry and upset and don't want to play the game, that's going to trickle down. And it's naive to think that it's not. Flat, that was a bit of a rant. So. No, 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 I mean, like, go ahead. I, I would say to that, though, yeah, watching higher ranked games, it's almost like a, you're peering into the future. You can sort of see what's going to start filtering down the ladder. Not so much what content creators say, you know, and do, because I think sometimes that is blown out of proportion a little bit, because you have to remember anyone who's consuming content on this game is somebody who is like, you know, the average player doesn't even know who any of us are. They just sit down, turn the game on, and play That's and true. move on. You know, That's so true. it's it, it still is a little bit of a. It's like a, a a very small view of the Overwatch player base. It's a very vocal one, don't get me wrong. But like, yeah. But I still do believe balance filters down from the top. And they should be looking at that saying, well, these are the issues we see here. How is this going to affect this? But this is a problem. It's like the game is, it's not one game, is it? It's, it's completely different at all different ranks. And aren't the majority of players gold and below? That may have been Overwatch 1 stats. But I mean, it's probably similar. It's got to be. Oh, they don't even play comp today. Didn't Jared say to you, SVB, that they will play quick play anyway? So Yeah, 
yeah, exactly. It, it seems like the majority of players play quick play anyways. And so it, it feels like, you know, we can take comp more seriously than we thought we could. Like, because we were always, I think on our side of the community, we were always like, I think quick play is very popular, but maybe maybe we need comp to be playable for, for gold players. We need to look at that. And as Philo said, it's not that we should ignore them, but I think we can ditch this idea that comp needs to have baby gloves and that it needs to be like, Super, super, you know, super accessible and super easy. Well, we we said that everyone's playing quick play, so let's make comp the thing that the tryhards wanna wanna engage in, right? And I'm I still getting take... picked in quick play, my bastion. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> They're just as bad in quick play as they are in any other range. It's true. Or it's any true. other mode. And that's also partly, yeah, yeah. It's genuinely sometimes it's harder <clears throat> in quick play, and of course it trickles down because uh, if you aren't having fun in comp, you go to quick play, but then you need your fix of tryhard gaming and winning. Plus, there's the battle pass incentives. So people sweat their balls off in quick play too. Uh, I will take it to Flask now because you know Spilo mentioned you as well and wanting to play Ryan and all that. But I think I think the interesting question I want to frame to you first is a couple thoughts on this now that we're on this topic of the vision Overwatch's balance. But the the interesting thing that Spilo said that I personally agree with, but is always seen as a controversial idea, is I you know I think we should have some of these heroes that just should never be meta. They should never be touching high level play, right? Because they're just not built that way. And unless we change how they're built, keep them out. That gets a lot of heat when you say that publicly, like when you say that on social media. People are like, you're just a fucking elitist. You're just like trying to keep it so that your favorite heroes are being played and the heroes that I like, why can't they be played? So any thoughts on that sentiment first and foremost? So my philosophy is slightly different uh, because of that reason. Uh, I do also agree it is slightly elitist. It is kind of unfair. Like, you know, if you're, let's say, a Mercy player, right? Like Mercy is something that gets more hate than more heroes and i think it goes both ways i think some people think mercy is the most op broken blah, blah blah but then also at the same time think she's like the most useless character to have on your team like how, how do you have it both ways all the time you know and and actually both can be true in certain situations like let's let's put that out there but uh my philosophy is that there should be a map-based meta and that if heroes should be good on certain maps for example, Symmetra, I think, was, like, the poster child of this for a long time, where she just kept getting, like, random buffs and random nerfs and random buffs. But, like, if you got, like, Li Zhang Tower with a good Symmetra player, you're winning that game 80% of the time. And it's not even... Like, you're dominating. But if you get Junkertown or, I don't know, Circle Royale or something with a Symmetra player, you're you're probably screwed. Like, you're, you're not, you're not going to have a good time. Um, so that part is a little bit frustrating, though. Because with, you know, you have a one trick and you get that map, you're like, ah, I hate this character, blah, blah, blah. But then you also have times where if I'm playing, let's say, Ryan, and they're walking at me with an Asim and Arissa, I can't do anything because the Arissa's bullying me into a corner. It's like middle school all over again. And then the Symmetra's full charge level three just, just deleting me by just holding left click on my face. It's like, well, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like what what do I do here, right? Um... So I, I, I think like certain characters like Arissa is a great example where Arissa is just fucking boring. Arissa is just boring, right? Like, and, and I even when Arissa was like OP a couple seasons ago, like that was before people started shifting the Sigma. I was like, I think Sigma's better, guy. Like, I was like, I don't think Arissa's that good. Like, I made a take on, and I, I, what I'm, I think crap, like one of my, my channel manager made a TikTok for it of me saying Arissa's not that good like Arissa's just a wall right like you ever fought a wall chat like if you punch a wall it hurts but just like walk around the fucking wall it's not that hard like like just leave the Arissa alone she doesn't have that much kill potential half the time like and people are like what and then like a week later we see like some tournament play and everyone's playing Sigma and it was like oh 
maybe maybe Arissa wasn't that good. And then we saw in World Cup, the teams that played Arissa comps were losing to the Sigma comps. And like, yeah, there was like a balance patch in there too. Like, so to be fair, like that may Oh, maybe Discord issues here, chat. The play there against, it felt like you were fighting God. But uh, if you were playing the Arissa, like, you didn't even feel that impactful. <laughs> you were just sitting there hitting your buttons and trying not to die. And your health bar is going like this the entire time. Or it's just like slowly trickling down going back up and then getting deleted. And so I don't I don't necessarily disagree like certain characters shouldn't be hard meta um cuz I'm with you. It's just unfun. But I also don't want to be the guy to be like if you're someone who enjoys playing that character, I don't care you should your character shouldn't be hard meta. Um to me that doesn't feel totally right. Uh but I think like every character it's fine to have characters that are strong in certain situations and have them be strong in those situations. Uh but it's hard when you try to balance it so that like they're always good all the time because they're going to break in certain aspects and then all of a sudden that's when they're hard meta and they're unfun to play against and you have some low skill character Orisa dominating and you have like what would you consider like a higher skill character maybe like a Sigma or a Doomfist or, or something like that just getting dominated by a guy who knows how to hit his spear spinny spear and fortify in the correct order you know so and that's a hard question to answer because like in a perfect world you just pick one but you're gonna always piss somebody off and that is the nature of game development you will always piss someone off i'll take it to stein in a second but first i want to give spilo the chance to kind of respond to to what flat said well i mean i don't disagree i think he makes good points i think the, the key thing for me is this it's not that i don't want characters to not be viable it just shouldn't be hard meta right um and i think that one of the things that flats is saying where it's like you know Having characters with strengths and weaknesses. I mean, it's SVB. You know that I'm a big proponent of the dynamics of, of Overwatch character design. So when you have characters that really only have one thing they do, like Arissa survives, like Flats is saying, just survives. Shoots enemy tank, survives. She doesn't have the mobility. She doesn't have any range. She can't make any plays. She just shoots tank, um, Bastion, you know, all these characters that really only do one thing, even Mercy to a lesser extent. Um, I think that's when you start to have problematic balance because either those characters... Uh, are not useful because they, they they don't have like ways of outplaying. Like it, it was funny when we were doing, I did something on my stream several weeks ago of like counters, and it was hilarious how many counters Bastion has and still is meta. Um, like that tells you right. Like there's so many ways to beat a Bastion, but he's just so freaking easy and just so strong, right? So I, th I think like um, you know again, like I said, my 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 perfect world is I would love for you know minor tweaks or whatever to make all these characters have different skill expressions and and, and not be quite so easy to play. Um, but you know, I, I think that's, that's just a complicated discussion and more than anything else, I would just love it if the developers were more, tr not transparent. Cause I don't think it's a lack of transparency. Um, I don't know if it's maybe, maybe this is just me being a little bit rude, but it almost feels like a little bit of naivety, um, where it's like, you know, do we have a plan? Are we addressing these things? Because every time I'm like, yeah, they're professionals, but then something like Malika comes out and I'm like, man, are we sure that these guys like really understand like exactly what this entails? Like what this like Arisa rework, like. You can't rework Arissa like that and not understand like how that how that's gonna end up. Like that that's immediately obvious, right? So it's like I would love for the developers to be not more transparent, but to put maybe some public communication and certainly some thought. I know this comes across super egotistical, so pardon, <laughs> into like what what's our vision? Like what's our balanced vision? Like what's the goal here? Like what are we trying to accomplish? You know, whether we're succeeding or not. Um, because even if I don't agree with it, that's something that I can kind of but as it is right now. 
as much as we feel more com comfortable with like the communication with a lot of other things with balance, it's anybody's guess like what the goal, what the plan is. Because every time I think that like, oh, we're moving away from like they're nerfing Bastion, you know, they nerfed Roadhog into the trash tier, right? Because people hated the Roadhog meta, right? But then what do they do? They reworked him and he's he's actually strong and he's just as bad as he was before. So like I, I feel I see stuff like that and I'm just very confused. Yeah, I'll just I'll just quickly add because I can't let go of some Roadhog hate without adding in on top. Uh, which is that I think their answer, what does concern me, and, and, and you know, I, I agree exactly with what you said, Spilo, which is that I, I can disagree with their vision as long as I can see their vision. But at the moment, I'm confused what the vision is. And I think I got there with the counter-swapping, right? Like, you guys know on this call, it was a big, like, anti, I don't like this whole counter-swapping business, I don't like this old charge transference thing. But once they came out and they're like, no, that's how we... Because it also added conflict to what they said the game was going to be. They said the game wasn't going to be about counter-swapping. And they said it wasn't going to be about hard counters. But then Jared comes on a call and he says, look, we were wrong about that. We were naive. We actually think that, you know, that is going to be a part of the game. We do think a lot of swapping is going to occur. We do want people to be able to switch their heroes and play whatever they want. And that's what Overwatch is. So I don't agree with that vision, but I can, I can accept it. Because it's like, okay, that's fine. That's what they want. With the balance, the same thing occurs where I'm like, I can accept your vision, but give me a vision. And, and it feels like a lot of their reworks have been an attempt to just take counterplay out of the equation. So I think the Hog one is a great example of like, well, the reworks they've given Hog over the coming months or the past months has been, okay, well, whole Hog is now uninterruptible. So you can like, if you, if you hit him with something while he's whole hogging, he just gets back up. And actually now he can also hook between whole hogs. So if you were going to like try and eat it for example and my the go-to example I always take is how much is ruined the sigma hog matchup where previously sigma hog pretty skillful matchup it's like okay i gotta hook i gotta block his shield with my or block his hook with my shield if he's whole hogging me i can grasp it i can interrupt his whole hog as well if i time my rock right i can interrupt his vape well now you can't good luck to you because once he starts whole hogging if you put your shield up it gets broken if you try to grasp it he's going to hook you in the middle of the grasp if he's vaping and you're like i have an opportunity to kill him and you rock him he just gets back up and continues vaping now because vaping is now uninterruptible. So it feels like their answer to be like, how do we make Roadhog playable is just to take all counterplay, all like back and forth on the character away. And I don't, I don't like that. That's, I don't even know if that is their vision and that's just like their shit. How do we make this work for now? Throw it out there. But I don't like that. And I don't think it's a coherent vision either. So I'm going to take it to Sty. Sty again, we, I, we kind of started talking about Hog. Yeah, you know, you know what though, SVB? I don't yeah. even think like, I think it's, I think that's way too complicated. I think it's just, what gets people to play Overwatch? A new hero. What's the second best thing you can do? Rework a hero. So let's look at the heroes that are not exactly being played across the player base. Identify them and go, you know what? Let's take Sombra, let's take Roadhog, and let's just rework them because it doesn't really matter what we do to them, but it will push them back into the limelight. We can drop, um, you know, marketing material around that. The content creators will start producing content on it. And then people will come back to go, I want to check out this new Sombra. I want to check out this new Roadhog. It might just be as simple as that. Obviously, then we end up in a situation like you've just outlined, but where they're just, it's seemingly like we just, we've got a target. It's this hero. And we're just going to change, 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 change. I think they, it, there was a Soldier 76 buff a while back where they buffed everything in his kit. And I was like, what are they doing? Like that was, that was, they hadn't really done that before up until that point. They usually would just tweet, you know, maybe his damage on his primary fire, but it was like, primary fire helix rocket damage and i think they increased his uh his heal as well it's like all at once it's like whoa they want him to be played you know it's like yeah play that hero and sometimes i get a big that's like the overwhelming feeling i get when i look at it yeah i think so fellas any other thoughts on this before we move on to talking about some of the other things that came in season three 
I mean, size look is very pessimistic, but it's probably at least partially accurate. Um, I think my, my concern is that like for every player that wants to log in and try the new Roadhog, there's somebody that doesn't want to play the game. You know, like I, I know a lot of people um, in my community that have been actively avoiding ranked with the current state of Malga right now. Um, like, which is obviously like he's a new hero, a little bit of a different situation. Um, but like, there's a lot of people playing because of Malga. There's also a lot of people that are like, this is this is terrible. This is just absolutely awful. Um, you know what, Philo? So... That's solved and both unsolved at the same time by introducing hero bands because you have the problem of, <laughs> yes, we've got him out of the game, but then, uh-oh, I've bought this battle pass. I want to play my hero. I cannot. Yeah. That is a massive yeah. issue until they change the monetization of heroes. And then guess what? You open the way to introducing hero bands at certain levels of the game. Have you seen the clubs? Which then brings in a map meta. Or at least assist with it. Of, uh, of people in ranked games leaving the game to go buy the battle pass because they get yeah, 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 by Marga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are yeah, my favorite. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. <laughs> and they do draw into question. I mean, we may as well discuss it real briefly. Is that they do draw into question that whole model, and that's that's another thing where we've kind of evolved as Overwatch 2 was launched, which is that this was a big thing on launch that heroes would be behind a battle pass. Obviously, you can earn it in the free track, but it was a big change, and and kind of now we're getting to the point where they're reversing that change potentially again. Jared said that's his. That's their goal. That they don't. That they want to get there. We don't know what that means and what form that entails. But seemingly, they also recognize that that, that was bad. So, Stylus, any 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 reflections on that? Well, I mean, even just outlining the language that you uh, said that he used. I mean, that again is it's like it's evasive language. You're you're doing it or you're not. I mean, something like that system. If you're going to remove heroes out of the battle pass, just say we're this is what we're doing and we're removing them out of the battle pass. That's the end of it leading people down a path of like we might do that we might not do that it's all like again it just it's what's going on and yeah. there's more heroes added to the game as well this compounds the issue of them being locked in the battle pass i think one of their plays was sort of like um they sell these like packs where you can get all of the heroes and they'll be on special offer it'll be like ten dollars fifteen dollars all of the overwatch 2 heroes you can buy them now of course we never really we're, we're not going to interact with that but new players might and again this is the issue with new players coming into the game and keeping them engaged in the game, the more heroes, the more complexity that keeps getting added to the game. Whoa, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Okay, any other words on any of that before we move on? Flats or Spider, anything you want to add? No. no? Okay. Well, let's move on then uh, to the last significant thing of Season 3, uh, Lover Watch and the One Punch Man collaboration. So two kind of outside the gamey things. So... Uh, Lover Watch being the Valentine's thing where you could romance Mercy or Genji and um, and they had the Cupid Hans obviously and then the One Punch Man collaboration where we had the like Doomfist skin and a couple others. So uh, I'll take it to Flats first. Flats, uh, yeah, Lover Watch and One Punch Man. Any thoughts on the kind of start of what would be grown on later? Lover Watch fucking was awesome. Best Hanzo skin that's ever been released. Probably, I honestly think it's better than the Mythic. Um... But really quick on One Punch Man, because I was someone that actually defended this. And now I'm kind of looking back and I'm going, I'm kind of fucking annoyed. Because when they did the One Punch Man collab, there was a few skins that people were like, mm, this kind of looks like almost like a recolor of the normal skins. And their defense to it was, we want to make sure the characters still stay somewhat, you know, looking like they are. We don't want people to like not know what certain characters are. And as their first collab, I understood that. But then the Lacerifim ones are like 
so much more detailed. Everything other than like the one punch man, like um the Saitama skin for Doomfist. Like other than his, like the rest of them are all like well, yeah, all right. Um, but the Lacerda ones were so fucking good that it's like I sit there and I go, hmm. You know, like, was it really that for the One Punch Man skins? Or was it like, you know, that was just the convenient answer, you know, of like, oh, like, we just wanted to make sure they were staying in the, you know, and they wanted to look like the regular heroes. Because they did so much more with the Seraphim ones um, than the, the, the Doomfist, or sorry, the, the One Punch Man ones, other than the Doomfist skin. Uh, it made me go like, huh. But, you know, it was their first time. I'll give them a break. It was their first ever collab. Uh, and apparently they, they said they they're like t- kind of teased that they have a bunch more that are coming up, which is awesome. Um, probably probably one of the best things from this year, though. Both of those. Stye, do you concur? One of the, some of the best, most notable things of the year. Um, I, well, I think uh, I mean again, fast forward into BlizzCon when they announced there are multiple more collaborations coming. I think this is this is how the game will be monetized. Um, they obviously generate the most money out of anything they do. I mean, the La Seraphim skins are literally everywhere. Um, one Punch Man skins, I maybe don't see them as much, but did around the event. So I think these type of like brand collaborations can be a positive for Overwatch because it does give it that sort of gives it that like kudos, right? It's like, hey, look, we're still relevant to some degree. We can work with these bigger brands outside of our little world, which which is a good thing. Um, I think like with the, the One Punch Man stuff, you know, they're always going to use that defense of like, hey, you know, like look at Terrible Tornado. It it it, it does look like it. You know what I mean? Like, what else could they do? But yeah, it's, it's, it's just a recaller. <laughs> Let's be real. You know, there's not much effort that's gone into that. Um, but then again, it depends on all these, like these color, commercial-like collaborations are going to have loads of restrictions on them. They're going to have timeframes on them. It's going to be, this needs to be produced by, by this timeframe. Then it needs to be approved by that third party. Does this meet with their IP? Are they going to allow this to be integrated into the game? And, and it's very complicated. But I do agree. The La Seraphim stuff is like, it, it was... I mean, in some ways, it's a little bit sad because the, the whole um, animated short style, animated short advert for it, I mean, that surely that takes away the time that would be used for heroes when they launch, you know, and, and that type of thing. But it's just a, it's a different ecosystem we're in now. And probably it was a good financial decision for them to do that because, I mean, it must be hella expensive to make animated shorts. I don't know what they cost, but I mean, per minute of animation must be incredible uh, amounts of money. Um, but you know, we all remember dragons. Yeah. We all remember all the, the awesome cinematics, like what Overwatch 2 cinematics have really, like, where's the Ramatra cinematic? Yeah. Did did it get canned for the Seraphim cinematic? I don't know. You know (laughs) what I mean? But I understand why, you know, that obviously makes a shit ton of money, but yeah, I think the overall quality of, of, of the Seraphim collab was incredible. And it most definitely is their way forward next year for monetization. Yeah, it's a good point you bring up. And, and I think, it again, it shows you the changing nature of things. It feels like Ramatra, in many ways, was was meant to be this PvE tie-in hero, right? He was meant to be this hero where it's like, when we launch Ramatra, we're going to launch the PvE and we're going to launch... Right, that. right, right. So the Toronto mission, it's like, who's this bad guy? I don't right. know. I, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> He's been in the game Right, exactly. There's, months, there's you know what what I mean? this like, oh, who's this voice that's suddenly speaking to us, this big yeah. bad villain? Where When will he... Lo- oh, wait, this is... Yeah, three months ago. We So it's like you get that sense of like... a. a, a a shifting product, right? Where it's like, well, we want Ramatra to be this thing that launches the PV, and then partway through, they probably realize, shit, actually, we're just going to release Ramatra now. The PV is going to be slightly different. And then the PV drops, and they're like, oh, actually, we don't even know if we want to do PV anymore like this. So, like, these things probably make it hard to focus on 
how they want to unveil more aspects. Because I imagine if there was a Ramatra cinematic, it would be heavy, very storily, heavily story-based, right? Be like, oh my god, what's Ramatra doing now? And like, what's his what's his plan with Null, Null Sector now? I mean, if there was, surely it would be the launch cinematic for Overwatch 2. You know, he right. is the bad guy, effectively introducing that, you know, faction of Null Sector. Right, whereas yeah. you compare that to the Le Seraphim thing, I like it. You like you compare that to the Le Seraphim thing, that's timeless, right? It doesn't matter. We can just we can just hit go on that one, and it'll whenever it launches, it'll it'll be correct because it's just the characters vibing and going to a concert together. So it's probably safer, probably easier to develop, and like in that sense, right? And to to Flats's point about the One Punch Man skins, I do I will give them this much that you know I I, ma I imagine that was their first one, and they were kind of figuring a lot out probably like very quickly turned around as well so maybe it wasn't as fire as it could have been but lover watch again a quick note on that spilo any thoughts on lover watch and, and one punch man stuff uh i mean i just think overwatch is at its best when it's silly not serious um i think especially like with the departure of like pve as like a serious goal of overwatch 2 um that's where i think like you have like the cinematics and the missions and like i remember playing that mission in like new queen street right and having the ramacha voiceover and be like oh this is sick you know this is super cool like this guy's but I think that, like, it, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on behind the closed doors here. But it, surely, Le Seraphim has to be making them more money than the missions. You know, surely, uh, surely, yeah. things like One Punch Man, Lover Watch. Um, I mean, even things like surely Prop Hunt was a more successful uh, event than a lot of the more serious stuff that we've had in the past. Um, it was just fun, you know, it's just fun. So it's like, I think Overwatch is at its best when, like, obviously there's, like, this overarching story going on behind the lines. Um, but, but, whether it's Lover Watch, Prop Hunt, or Seraphim skins, like, that, that you know that, that, that that's where, at least personally, it feels best. You know, I'm not a K-pop fan, but for crying out loud, you know that they were making bank with that skin. Um, and, and like Stai was saying, that, that's probably also a little bit easier um, than, you know, making a whole other set of missions, making, you know, another whole cinematic or whatever. Just Make some sick skins, get a sick collaboration, um, you know, do something stupid or funny. Uh, was it Boger talked about that with the, uh, the, the, the Malga debate that you had SVB not too long ago? Just funny Overwatch is generally best Overwatch, in my opinion. Right. I think that seems to be, yeah, I think what most people feel where it's like we enjoyed the, the silly Overwatch, the Lucio B-Trop insta-killing people Overwatch kind of thing. So, um, okay, so that kind of... Maybe, maybe not that. <laughs> maybe not that, maybe, you're not maybe, a fan maybe, of that? Maybe, maybe, maybe. 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 Bring back experimental. Okay, yeah, I think that's a good shout. Um, all right, so that that's, that rounds up season three. Let's we move on to season four, uh, and this is where we get that big round of support buff. So I foreshadowed earlier that season three they start highlighting, "Hey guys, we know supports aren't having fun." Season four, we see a big round of support buffs. Moira can fade during coalescence. Mercy gets a big buff. Brig gets her Giga Rally. Uh, and pretty much everyone except Anna. Poor Anna gets a, a sleep dart nerf on her on how long it, it, it affects tanks. So you, I, this is a theme where it's like Anna has been getting as the other supports get buffed. Anna seems to get nerfed a little bit. Uh, and then Life Weaver is added season four as well. So season four in many ways the season of supports. So I'll get your guys' thoughts since it, uh, it's always a hot topic and especially if you open up your Overwatch Twitter, uh, there's always some some new beef and debate going on about who's broken the what. But Spilo, you're often one to chime in, so big support buffs come through in Season 4. How do you reflect on it now as we've kind of come and seen the end goal of it all? Yeah, I mean, the short TLDR for support is just that, like, you know, it was a, largely a skill issue for, I think, a lot of support players transitioning to Overwatch 2. And I don't even say that with, like, you know, any sort of, like, 
um, malice, malice, you know, like, I just think that just, we're not able to adjust to, Hey, I have to actually make plays and take space and take angles and take duels, you know? So, so some players adjusted well, some players didn't, um, obviously it took some time for people to be able to fully exploit the support pass and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, obviously a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, net support buffs, um, gosh, it, it, you'd have to go through each one individually. Um, but I think obviously like can be a little problematic overall. I think like the return on investment for the amount of effort taken to get the value with the support changes, I think was was the challenging part. And I think um, while you can look at a fade change and be like, hey, that gives Moira more playmaking opportunity. Kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, SVB with a vape change, in some ways, yes, but in some ways it also removes a counter, um, a counterplay to that ultimate, right? Um, so I think like that's that's a consistent theme for a lot of these characters is that they have more ways of counterplaying you, but you're losing ways to counterplay them and that becomes a problem when that character is generally takes less effort to get the amount of reward than it does with other characters. So won't go down that rabbit hole, but that's my take. Um, a life weaver, I mean, just a disaster, um, really a disaster. <laughs> um, I think he's in a maybe an okay spot right now. There are some aspects of him that are pretty fun right now. I'm still a life weaver hater, um, but I, I think there are some aspects of him that are redeemable. But I think really made me question the playtesting, um, and that was a, that was immediately. A very gimmicky character, some serious questionable hero design issues, whether it was with Pole, um, you know, the way his weapon functioned, um, even things like the hitbox, right? Like, <clears throat> probably the worst release we've had yet. Probably the worst release we've had yet, I think. Yeah, I think even if you're not a Life River hater, you can, I think everyone can agree with that. Although, again, it does create one of the most notable moments of Overwatch content creation, which is Vogers unranked to GM on Life Weaver and that whole torturous you know uh who's who's the greek guy the sisyphus right who had to push the rock up the the hill endlessly like that was his punishment that, that's what that's how that felt basically where boger was given a greek greek punishment um but yeah style i'm gonna take it to you next and then we'll go flats after but yeah just the, the support buffs the life weaver any any thoughts on all of that i mean i agree with what spilo says but like <laughs> It's funny because, again, if you, if you, you kind of look at it, it's like we've got a new support hero launching. We're going to just launch a massive suite of buffs for tons of support, package this all together. Hey, it's the support battle pass, guys. Get the pass. You know, people then pick Life Weaver up and go, what the hell is this? But they might play all the supports then. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just, I think the, the, these are issues they're still dealing with now. And again, this goes back again to the whole thing about what is the direction of the game? Is it battle pass balance, you know, in terms of balance? Is it just this hero is not being played so we're just going to buff this hero is it we don't know what's going on with the hero i mean you look at the way they launched um or, or made malga playable at blizzcon that would be great for data collection but then look at what they did with that data you know what i mean it's like what the malga that's in the game now why why is he still like that he's in the battle pass yeah i mean that's certainly the cynical interpretation flats is that an interpretation that you agree uh... with I, I want to talk about the sport thing after, so it remind me, but I, I definitely, I don't totally agree with that. I think the MAGA thing was great. Um, I, like, genuinely, like, not to, like, ah, man, how do I say this without being an ass? I think that their tank philosophy sucks. Like, it just, it's just not good. Um, it's just really, really bad. And, like, the data made MAGA launch um, before, you know, like, day one. I think it was, like, fun for like two days, um, which was more fun than I first played him. But 
the character's design is just terrible. So, like, in another world where it's not Malga, and we they did this, I think some other character that comes out would have probably been a lot of fun for a long time. Matt, do, you, do you think he's a hero that was just designed off the concept art because it was so strong? Way back with the Batiste... Yeah, I, um, and there's a good chance of that, actually. Yeah, he's like a roadhog, like a shitty roadhog, you know? So it's like almost our... like we've got these two chain guns. We need, this needs to be the guy, and he needs to do loads of damage. And we, need, how do we put this into a tank? And then he's a big guy. He needs to be unstoppable. And it's sort of like that's kind of the path they went down. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like, I mean, this happens in Overwatch a lot, and I, I, they kind of make they make things that are really fucking cool and things that people want to like play, but then they don't think about like the impact it has on the game till later, right? Um, I think there's actually like an old Riot dev out there that did an interview years ago that like kind of threw shade at Blizzard for that um, when they were talking about the difference between like League and then eventually ended up being Valorant and like what, you know, Overwatch does. Um, but basically, I'm with you on that. Like, it's kind of like he's been around for like a long, like you know, a long, long time. Like people have been waiting for MAGA to be released for forever. But like the way he actually played in 5v5 it's just like roadhog but worse and it's like i don't actually know how to even fix the guy because i think you're either going to make him just awful to play against and like honestly kind of boring to play um like if you've seen high level maga play right now it's both magas walk two inches away from each other both pop their e and just stand there and go and just like don't let go and you can't shoot anyone else because if you shoot someone else your life steal gets sucked down and then you just like you just explode so it sucks, um, but to, to your point, though, about the whole Battle Pass thing, um, and this is why sometimes when people try to, like, throw things in our faces, like, when, like, certain things get said, like, for example, uh, I was having a little bit of a discussion about, like, the, the Quick Play stuff recently, and, like, how Quick Play is, like, basically ranked with just a, without a number, and people are like, well, you know, Jared said on, you know, in, on your podcast the other day, like, you know, and he's like, oh, like, they want, like, Quick Play to be super sweaty and competitive. I go, I don't care what they said. I disagree. It's a stupid thing. Like, you shouldn't have the... Uh, the casual game mode be like hardcore sweaty comp where people are flaming each other and going crazy like that's that is dumb to me like if you want to play competitive play fucking competitive um and and to the point when life weaver came out i think jared actually said they don't want to release like overly broken heroes to push the battle pass right and that was a, a cool thing to be said like that's a good thing but then alari comes out and like i i actually disagreed with jared i think it should have been like alari where they're on the safe side of strong because when a new hero comes out and they suck, nobody wants to play it. That's boring. Like Life Weaver, Life Weaver was the most depressing stream day because it was the first time they decided not to do drops for the beginning of a season, and Life Weaver blew. So the whole category, right? Like you know, chugging, 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 chugging. Season comes out within one hour. The Overwatch category went from like a hundred thousand viewers to twenty because nobody cared about Life Weaver. Nobody wanted to watch it. What thing was boring? Nobody cared. It was just everyone left. It was like, wow, this character blows. So Alari, they fix that, and they go the safe side of strong. They at least they release her. She's really strong, and then boom, hit her with some nerfs before she hits ranked. And then when she hits ranked, like she's still strong, but not as strong as she was. And then later on, they adjust her again, and I think she's in a much better spot now. Then Maga comes out, and it's the battle pass hero, where you need the battle pass, or you're just going to lose your rank games. So we have what was said before, which was we don't want to make characters giga busted to force people to buy the battle pass. And not six months later, here we are, and people are like, holy shit, they're trying to force people to, play the, to buy the Battle Pass. Is that a philosophy? I would argue no. I think genuinely they're just really fucking bad with tanks, not only balance-wise, but Mog is just so poorly designed that like they're pigeonholed into 
trying to make him strong enough that people will play him and have fun. But because he's so shittily made that they have to gigabuff him and they broke him. And then it's compounded by it's December and they went on holiday. So they're all gone. And so we're stuck with Gigamaga for the next, what, couple weeks? Yeah. You know? <clears throat> That's where you have to really question the internal testing. You know, because like you look at Maga and you look at Lifeweaver and you're like, no way that they were actually like seriously played these characters. Like obviously they did, but like you have to question like the quality of that testing. Because I agree with you. I don't think like it's a malicious choice. You know, I think that's a cynical way of it. I'm sure at least to an extent they're trying to like make the character strong. I think that's like you said, better to be on this the safe side is strong. But like surely like they saw that Life Weaver wasn't strong. Like surely like surely they saw that Malga was like really really awful to play. And I think like that that's where like that's for me especially with, like, this Bobby Kotick thing gone, like, I think that's, like, my biggest concern with Overwatch 2 moving forward. It's, like, what is the internal playtesting? How good are these guys at, like, not just balancing the game, but designing characters that, like, like you said, not just the numbers of the characters, but the actual design of the characters. Are they healthy designs? Because, um, like you said, it's going to be very difficult to, to make Malga anything but frustrating to play against. Yeah, actually, this, this, this reminds me of a vivid moment that I'd actually kind of forgotten but it's like it's a it's flashback into my mind now, which is that Flats, you were there when we were at the Creator Summit in 2022, and they showed us a quick preview of Life Weaver, right? They showed us like a very little like here's Life Weaver, here's what's coming because they were like they showed us like a couple of things that were coming with the launch of Rush Two, but they were like, okay, big picture, here's the thing coming later. And it was like here's Life Weaver. Exactly really, what you want to say. It was really cute, and I remember like um, this was back when I was like fake canceled, and I wasn't sure if I was going to come back to making Overwatch content. And so I was just chilling. I was just big chilling. Like, I'm just here to watch. I don't even know if I will come back to watch. And then I saw Life Weaver and I was like, this is fucking cool, man. Like, they like, this is like a League of Legends character, right? This guy's like a hot twink. He's blonde. He's sexy. He's got his chest out. This is perfect. Overwatch is going to kill it. And look at, he's got these cool abilities, like pulling people. This is going to be sick. Like, this is going to put Overwatch back on the map. And I was like, I, I, I went back and I was like, I told my chat. I was like, guys, I was at the summit. And I saw this thing, and I was like, this is going to be a hit, man. This is, like, Overwatch is going to be on the market with this one. <laughs> and then, Live Weaver drops in Season 4. He's the most pathetic hero that's, like, launched ever. Nobody gives a shit. And, like, Wait, the hype... Discord freeze for anyone else there for a yeah, sec? Yeah, it did. Just... It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, 10 seconds, you just disappeared. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not going to lie. I don't... I think Discord's... Been... Oh, I think Discord might have frozen again. Well... My rant is recorded. Hello, yeah. Yeah. I think Discord's. I think Discord's having a moment. Okay. I think Discord's having a moment. Okay. Well, my point was, I was super hyped about Life Weaver. I thought he was gonna be like this big transformational hero for the game because of how marketable he should be, and then he dropped. It was super underwhelming. No one gave a shit, and probably if it wasn't for Boger, I don't think people would be paying much attention to him at all. It's just the fact that we had this great narrative that made it so that. We now even think about him, but yeah, it's sad that that was a missed opportunity and that we kind of bungled that one. Flats, you have something you, you want to say? I actually, I don't know if you brought this up, but I remember when we saw him, I, it might have been ML that brought up that was like, does he just heal? That's it. He doesn't do anything else. And they're like, well, he's not done. We still got some things. And like, it was pretty much exactly what we saw. Like, it was right. legitimately exactly. And like, that was supposed to be like almost a year later. Like, oh, we still got a lot of changes to make. There was no changes that got made. <laughs> so, and that's that's where the disappointment came. Right, where it's like uh, that was the case with a lot of these things where we were kind of like, 
given these uh, these pictures of what's coming and it was like oh it's going to be really great we're going to keep like this is just the basis we got more and then, and then a lot of them listen, were listen, were, lads, lads, were listen, exactly listen, what they listen, were listen. old man star he's got to talk now this is what happens when you go to a blizzard event you get whipped up in the blizzard like wow i can't believe it and things get glossed over and it is a it's a natural thing it's a thing i've definitely been through <laughs> and it's uh it can I think that bleeds into the team as well. They can design things and build things and think this is going to be absolutely awesome. Everybody's loving it and it drops. And then you're like, uh oh, what's the community feedback? We thought this was great. We thought this was generous. We thought this was X, Y, Z or whatever, but it didn't turn out to be like that. And it's sort of like they get, they're in like their own little world sometimes. So it feels like they need to break out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. Again, we got we got to keep trucking along. So I'm going to move us on to star watch really quick that was what came as well in season four so any thoughts if you can cast your mind back again there was this big hype event horizon lunar colony very like star wars themed the space opera is how they marketed it personally I'll, I'll i was like, yeah first. you go you go side yeah, you go. So i think cool idea um um i had some cool skins associated with it I had some cool art as well um but the game mode was terrible i played it once and never again concurred concurred super cool super cool aesthetic super cool theme Love the like everything around it, but the event. <laughs> Spilo, how did you feel about it? Same, like <laughs> two or three times, and then I was like, oh, anyway, yeah, I don't know. wasn't wasn't a lot to it to be honest. Flats, terrible. PvPVE is. I think they need to throw away PvPVE, either PvP or PVE. That uh, every PvPVE game mode is, I feel like, has been awful. I just. And again, it, I, th I think this is where you can, the, the positive <clears throat> interpretation is, hey, they made a cool idea and we should applaud them. That maybe they didn't get it right, but it was a cool idea. And then the negative interpretation is, they here, look, at they bungled another cool thing, right? It's like, Star Wars could have been awesome because it was, everyone was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. Turned out to be a little shit. So yeah, I think they've learned from it, though. Like, um, didn't they say there's some sort of like alternate reality um, battle pass theme next year? That's probably built on Star Wars because Star Wars is kind of that. You know, Briggs right. and evil characters, Sigma. Well, Sigma's questionable anyway, but yeah. So I think I think they do learn from it. But yeah, the game mode. Oh my god, it was terrible. It was so bad. I agreed. Hopefully that that that's what we can come through with all this. It's like lessons learned, right? Anything that was not good is lessons learned. Hopefully, and then the final thing, the Pride event launches in in June. So the end of season four, they announced the Pride event, and this is basically the first real Pride event in Orwat. So. How do you guys want to reflect on that? I'll go to I'll go to Flats first. Flats, the Pride event where we actually get like the whole map in in Midtown and and the, the kind of celebration parade. On this moment of realization that mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> if China's returning, right. uh, what happens? Because that was kind of like a like a big thing, you know, uh, and you know a lot of people, you know especially if you're more pessimistic was like it's kind of funny that uh you lost your bit like you're one of your biggest markets and then all of a sudden you finally do a pride event even though you for years you uh would release rainbow icon like okay dude like you know yeah it's a great thing don't get me wrong like i think the benefits way out like very much outweigh the po the the so the positives outweigh the negatives by tons like it was awesome the maps were cool all the, the titles and whatnot they added, like that was all great. But I also can't, you, you can't ignore like the years of shit before that, you know? Uh, and the timing, just, it's weird, you know? It's like, ah, shit. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's gonna have, a, I don't think that's gonna have any, any effect in the future. I hope not. 
Um, but like it was really cool. They finally fucking did it. But like, god damn, it took long enough, man. Like he should have been sooner, but it was a good event. Yeah, I'll just quickly add two things onto that, and then we'll take it to Stai, which is that. I think the devs would probably say that these kind of things take too long for that. Because, you know, again, in January, they lose... Fuck them, basically. Right. Uh, yeah, so, like, Jan you know, January is when they lose China. So I, I don't think they would have necessarily been able to turn that around that quickly, like, immediately to be like, oh, shit, we lost China, let's do it. But also, if you remember, they did geo-block the Pride event in the, re in the countries that didn't approve, right? So I think there were, like, some parts of Europe and Saudi Arabia and stuff where they just geo-blocked it anyway. So I, I imagine... That will be their policy going forwards. And, and, and I'll take it to Stai next. Stai, how did you feel about the whole event? I mean, what happens to the esports if ESL end up running Overwatch esports operations next year? I was just going to say that. That's really curious you know to what see I mean? what's it going to be like with Saudi taking, potentially taking over. Uh, I mean, what I would say for Pride, though, it's about time and they need to start building on that. I mean, representation is key, more so in Overwatch than in other games. And <laughs> it's about time. It is absolutely about time that they've, you know, started building on this so yeah i hope the next one is even more detailed there's even more content and they build upon that it, i mean frankly it was a travesty that it wasn't in the game until now i i definitely agree with that but spyro obviously is that something that will come into their mind the concerns of the esport the concerns of saudi arabia the concerns of china will that affect anything China for sure. Saudi, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know how much of the esports going to really delve into the events. I mean, that's not really something that we've seen in the past. Um, it might be something that's definitely a little bit of a hurdle to jump for that for that transition. Um, but I think it's the question is more about China, more about China because that that's the game, right? Saudi Arabia is just the esport, and like I said, the esports and the events very rarely have we had like crossover, right? Outside of the Overwatch World Cup, I think. Um, so that's going to be my main question. It's like, what, what's going to happen this year? Yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bit optimistic and say that I, I think that things are looking positive for it being better next year in the sense that Bobby's gone. And I think Bobby would have been someone who would have been more careful that like, Hey, we can't piss off X region. So don't do these things because we need their money with hopefully with Microsoft giving Blizzard more free reign to do their own thing. I would like to hope that as Stai said, it's no longer the the case that if Overwatch does something fucked up, it's going to hit a huge amount on the bottom line of the bigger company. Microsoft wouldn't give a shit if like a little bit of of money was gone in that sense from from the China region. And I do think that developers are individually passionate about this. Like they are. I mean, we have characters coming who are non-binary. You know, we have we we've seen this year Lifeweaver and Baptiste. You know, and and Farah. We've seen them be openly shown to be queer so i think the signs are positive i think we're seeing them slowly emerge out of the shackles of activision blizzard and slowly start to to show more uh, like substance on these issues where previously they have dodge and as you guys rightly point out it's a travesty that has not come till this year but i do think they're starting to show that they care about it. and i think that is where it's important because pride month always gets into the same situation where corporations are like we care we care and then you know the minute the month ends the the icons all go away and all you never hear about them ever again and i think that's where companies have to show that it's not demonstrative it's just it's actually meaningful it's not just for pr they actually do care and i'd like to believe that the Overwatch team does care and if they don't then i will be right up front and center to criticize them for not doing enough but i think it's it's looking good for next year i think there was a good start any other thoughts on this before we move on to season five all right, 
So season five, even in my notes, it says forgotten season because this was obviously no hero. And we knew season... It's funny because looking back at the blogs and everything, I was looking through the, like, you know, the history. And almost like a day or two after they announced, like, season five, here it's coming. They start pumping out the season six is coming by the way season six has the pve we've got all this shit flashpoint is coming in season we've got all this cool shit coming through aren't you excited so it does feel like they did season five a little bit dirty uh but we have cactus puppy and chat who of course made his uh demon lord game mode so that was a cool thing that came through yeah we that's had... awesome by the way that is that that they should do more of that yeah no go on go on stag go on no, no, they should do. I mean, like, the, the workshop is a chronically underused thing in Overwatch. I know it's it's a bit janky, um, but people who know what they're doing with it can create some genuinely fantastic things in that, even even way back in Overwatch 1. And I'm pretty sure the workshop was built with, like, two or three guys worked on it. I actually did an interview with the developers. Um, do you guys remember a guy called Darwin was a uh, workshop creator? Yeah, um, yeah. Me and him interviewed the developers that um, built it, and it was, like, a total passion project. Insane, but it is a... It's, it's a criminally underused thing uh, in the game. And as we keep seeing, the workshop creators generally make pretty good stuff that might even be better than what Blizzard are giving us. So give them the tools and let them make the systems and the games and let them have their way. Are you familiar with Epic Games and what they do? Yeah, yeah. That? that is, yeah. Yeah, so like to give a quick recap, basically yeah. what Epic Games does is like, so they have a creator program, right? Like, you know, like creator codes or whatever. But part of that creator code system is also for maps and like, game modes and what happens is 40 percent of their item shop period 40 percent of their item shot is put aside for creators and then whatever percentage of players that play fortnite play your creator's game mode let's say point let's say let's just make it easy let's say one percent of people like one percent of all fortnite players currently are playing your game mode right that you made you get one percent of the 40% of their item shop, which is crazy. So they're in a revenue split system with them. So if people make cool game modes and people play those game modes, they get a percentage of that 40% chunk of the item shop. And that's tons of money where people full-time jobs is now creating Fortnite game modes. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of like um, a Roblox style approach. Although what I will say to that though, Flats, is I do think... Um, that actually ends up losing epic money and uh, it was cited in there where they had mass layoffs and it was like yeah uh, the way we monetize our game and the split with creators which includes the the people making the custom games and everything else is like it well, is taking money out of the game so i think yeah, it affected their workforce in some regard that but... same one though also credited their growth to creators though, yeah, yeah right? well, it makes so, it like... sustainable long term that's the thing you know and mm -hmm. it, look at look i mean just look at blizzard look at the games that 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 came from mods from blizzard games like what the hell you know what i mean if any company should understand it it should be blizzard but yeah 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 and unfortunately historically blizzard have, have, have not done that well as, as you already pointed out Stein. but you know their their response to losing the moba genre was to when they released the new warcraft 3 or the remastered was to just put in a clause that said anything we make is our property now so you don't have any ownership of it yeah so again we we the forgiving interpretation is that was Bobby's hand. We'll have to see, because in, in many ways, we've defended the devs over something and said, oh, it's probably Bobby's fault. But if Bobby goes next year, we don't have that excuse anymore. We can kind of really point the finger more directly and say, well, you're still doing fucky scummy stuff. What's up with that now? Bobby's gone. So hopefully... Even, even from a balance standpoint, you know, it's like there's always like a big split between 
Blizzard and the people that play the game. Um, in the alpha, I was in the uh, Overwatch League Discord with the uh, developers. It was very similar, right? There was a lot of a lot of pros give like really bad feedback, um, but overall, like I think they, they they do have some interesting good ideas. But there was definitely almost felt like this perception of where like it doesn't matter how good your feedback is, it's not going to be incorporated right i think what is it that they say that they don't want feedback they want you to tell you how it feels right um and i think that's such a like such a myopic way of looking at balance i'm not saying that like we need like this panel of gold players and overwatch league players having their hand and, and balancing the game but like i think if you're only looking internally for ideas whether it's workshop or balance or anything i think you're missing out i think you're really really missing out and i, th- I think you see that recently with sk's video on on ranked right like we needed SK to be able to have an external outside perspective because I promise you, nobody plays, nobody in like, in, like in SK's rank that the not, there's no Blizzard employees there. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be rude here, but there's like, so that you need that outside perspective. You need that feedback. And at that point, it's not just about like, Oh, we want to know how you feel. You need to actually take suggestions. Like you need to actually take some feedback. Um, and I don't know how that looked with monetization. I don't know how that looked with NDAs and all that kind of stuff. Like I've had stuff like that with my my tank rework project where it's like, oh, you know, we like some of your suggestions, but they're never going to happen. You know, so, you know, it is what it is. But I wish at the very least they'd at least get some inspiration from external. And obviously maybe they do, but they give the impression where there's like a very clear line between, hey, we're going to look at win rates, we're going to look at pick rates, we're going to internally test, and we want to know what you th- with how you feel. But we don't really care. We don't really want feedback. You know, we don't want specific ideas or suggestions. And I think that's a mistake. I agree with that. Yeah, I think the summary of all this is more meaningful collaboration with their community, I suppose, because we're talking about the workshop and we're talking about balance. And the complaints are that the any sort of integration is flimsy in surface level. Like, you know, okay, awesome that they gave Cactus Puppy this mode, but there's so much more they can do for the workshop as a whole. And it's it's not enough to just uplift singular creators and say, oh, here's a, here we gave you a crumb. It kind of would be better to do it more wide scale and same for balance. It's like, okay, yeah, they said they listened to SK's video, but I think a more back and forth discussion would be, would be better. Um, I mean, it, it might just be a case of, uh, of almost the staff, you know, like I think Flat said earlier, you know, a billion dollar company, whatever. It's a trillion dollar company now. Why isn't there like a map that there should be a team dedicated to this? Because, Feedback, dealing with feedback is so incredibly difficult because feedback, you can have really good feedback, but it can be wrapped in massive criticism or like some insane outrage, but actually the feedback's good. And it's trying to like get the feedback out, put it in front of the people that matter, do what they do with it and then go from there. And it's like, it's such a difficult problem. It's so difficult. I agree. I, I mean, to I, me, I that's just leadership, you know? Like I think that's yeah, just well, leadership. It, I, think, I think you go in with a mission or a vision and then you take outside criticism and then you, you know, cherry pick here and there, you discuss and then you move on from there. And it feels like right now it's like so much of like what happens with hero design and it like happens behind closed doors. Like tell me that you couldn't get 10 GM support players. I'm not saying this is reasonable, but just an idea. 10 GM support players play Life Weaver before he was released for a week and tell me that they wouldn't have come up. They would not have found a way to save Blizzard time. Like that, absolutely. Like at the very least, you could have cherry picked. Okay, well, I don't like that feedback. Like it still goes around Blizzard's vision or Jared Noose's vision or the producers or the whatever vision. But like, you need a certain level of player, and I think that there, that's something that over and over and over again. Like I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but it really rate something stinks, right? Something stinks in terms of play testing, whether it's like I said, the hero designer or, or the workshop stuff. Like there's so many things that like, man, 
if they had any sort of outside perspective, this could have easily been sniffed out, and yet it wasn't. It was released like this. How? Like, how? How is that possible? I know we're retreading old ground, so... No, I, I, I think agree, I agree, hard agree. I think everyone agrees, and I think it's good to be brought up. I will move us on, though, uh, just to be efficient with time. Let's move on to Season 6. There's a few things that happened Season 5 that, you know, the Mythic skin that changes... Eh, nice, but you know, wasn't outstanding, and we've you know we've had the mythic skin discussion recently as well, and then Team Q, which was kind of done in a half-hearted way, but you know, I think I think we'll see season nine what their plans are, and then I think again we can talk more meaningfully about how people are allowed to play together. So season six, of course, the much in truth, this was really the launch Overwatch, right? Everything is preamble up until this point. This is truly the launch Overwatch two, and again, this is what Sty was talking about. Where it's like it's a post. PV world that we've kind of lived in at this point onwards. So just, you know, we're not, we've obviously all had lengthy discussions about how the PV was, was launched and how it was released. But now, you know, basically six months onwards, what do we think, guys? Like, what what was the lessons learned from the PV? I'll take it to Stai first. The fact they can't make PVE content? <laughs> I mean, they can, but it was such an outdated experience. And, you know, it... I don't know. I've got this idealistic view of Blizzard that they're going to give us the greatest content ever. And it's like, oh yeah, the PVE, surely this is going to be awesome. It's going to be a new take on it. And then it's like, oh, this is like, again, not to be derogatory to developers or workshop developers, but the community probably could have made a better, a more interactive mission. I mean, there were things like, some things are really good. You could see the things they put the effort in. I, to be honest, I could just talk about this for hours and I have spoken about this for hours, but I think you know, it, it was a it was a moment where they'd worked on this content for years and they just needed to do something with it. Let's just get it out and then let's just go from there. And I just think I was very let down by that. But like, again, this is being like super cynical about it, but going back to the launch of, of, of Overwatch and selling the Watchpoint pack, it wasn't specifically stated that this was for PVE, but a lot of people were like, oh, hey, you know, we're buying into, I mean, it was early access at the time, right? Overwatch 2 was, we're buying into this thing. We're going to get this, PVE experience, and that's kind of what we're, we're we're moving towards. And then after season six, that's no, that's not the case no more. So yeah, and then they need to find their feet again. They obviously deal with horrific messaging around um, the cancellation of of PVE, which was was really bad. But I understand they had to say something, but again, was really poorly handled. Um, and you know, I think anyone could see what the reaction was going to be as soon as they announced that in the way that they did. Um, so yeah, they've got to take the licks for that, but that's on them. You know, they, whatever was going on with the development of the game resulted in the PV experience that we've got, which was just inadequate really for, for this game. And you could see this was not going to be the thing which they could rely on to monetize the game. So yeah, we've got to rethink what we're doing guys. And uh, honestly, I, it was mediocre, the PV experience. Yeah. Well, maybe it was I mean... built up too high in my head. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they did this to themselves, you know, over the years of, teasing it and leading us up to that point that crescendo and then it's like uh oh yeah i mean i don't i don't think they would ever themselves be mad that we all we all we've been we were in the podcast we were in the call saying blizzard doesn't make bad games especially pv we were, we were all said this we were like it's gonna be good guys surely because blizzard don't fuck it up and i'm sure they wouldn't be like no, no no don't don't say that we make good games no 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 we make mediocre shitty games Promote that. No, no, no. We, we all make it. So I'm sure they would never be like, oh, you guys, you you were wrong for thinking we do it well. But Flats, you know, at least, you know, the, the positive we can say is they kind of seem to have learned from it quickly. But man, how do we reflect on that? The whole thing. 
I mean, well, that's why when I look back and whenever I was like, well, PvE was canceled. And they're like, well, actually, shut up. Like, it was canceled. Like, like the, what was originally the vision. And you can go back to old posts and videos from Jeff and him saying, like, what they envisioned. Right? Like, they didn't envision it to be a play it once and never touch it again experience. It was supposed to be almost, well, not like the campaign. Like, the campaign is what we have now. But it's like, PvE itself was supposed to be like an endlessly replayable you know, almost like its own separate game, right? And what we got was like a one-time playthrough, you know, experience. I personally had fun. Like me and my four stack went through on Legendary from the start, trying to figure everything out. And like, it was filled with fucking bugs, which made it 10 times harder, um, which was honestly kind of made it even more hilarious because uh, we lost so many times on the new Queen Street mission to stuff getting stuck in the boat, um, or running into a random fucking wall, or, you know, something gets bugged, like, some interaction got bugged, or, for example, on the third map, like, Brig Bash, if you were any near that, that giant turret, you'd have to bash someone to get them out of, like, the, you know, the hunter thing that was, like, sucking them in, and you go to bash them and hit an invisible wall, so then they die, and you're like, you know ah, what, shit. This is crazy to hear this, because the Overwatch 2 engine was designed for PvE. When they did the, um, uh, the, what was it, the Blackwatch one, way back in like what year was that 2018 or something yeah they took a bunch of content creators over to irvine for that and they were like hey look at this and we were like oh my god this is insane they had drop ships flying in and they were explaining to us this doesn't work in our game and they were like we have to build this in a way that is just terrible but you know it sort of functioned and then the overwatch 2 engine was meant to be this thing which would allow them to easily make a load of pve content but if you're <laughs> like what you're saying obviously it's not the case like what the hell no. has gone on no did you did you play the PvE when it released? Yeah, yeah. It was just like I don't, I don't yeah. know if you played played that mission, the third mission with Brig. Like it was legitimately unplayable. Like we had we yeah, had to change our whole strategy. Mission. Yeah, huh? The yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sweden we, one. Yeah, we changed our whole strategy to nobody go near the fucking middle. So in case somebody got kidnapped, <laughs> then like the Brig had to run all the way around, be make sure like okay, I'm away from the turret. Now I can whip shot them. Now I can bash them. Now I can save them. And that way, like, we had to play around the bugs. That was fun, okay? I had a lot of fun. Was it good? No. <laughs> that was terrible. But I had fun with it. Um, but, like, to me, that's why it's, I, I always still, to this day, I'll stand by that PV was canceled. Like, it is not what it was supposed to be. And I, I think you're right. It, it's very archaic. It feels old. And my ideal world of what I thought the PV would be would almost be, like, cod zombies where like there's lots of enemies like you're holding them off you're holding the line but it's just a few enemies with massive health pools i mean so play on legendary the, the, the um rio mission was was essentially identical to the one i played yes. in 2019 like what yeah. it was seagull said oh, yeah. yeah it was literally the same mission and yeah, uh yeah. they they just made them harder like they just made them ha bigger health pools and it's like you just took longer to kill them and it's like that's not fun like no Hell, did, shouldn't we have learned that with, like, playing Orisa meta? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Which is funny, because the later PvEs were just big Orisas being being fought. Like, the Diablo event was just giant Orisas. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this yeah. is this PvP, but with Orisa meta. But I, I, I concur. I'm not trying to be cruel when I say this, but I agree with Sai that I, I I remember in the end of Overwatch 1, I played a Halloween mission that a Workshop creator made. And I played it with, like, Lemon Kiwi and Leg Day. And it genuinely had more death than the PV. Like, I, I still, to this day, have only played the Rio mission because I got so fucking bored. I've got it bought and has not played the second and third mission because I was so fucking bored, solo queuing this shit. 
and genuinely that workshop creator mode had more depth. It had it had items. It had like dialogue that you could like interact with in the game. Like you could choose some different passes, hidden items. It genuinely had more going on. And so, yeah. Shout out to Therister, by the way. Now goes by Vilt, it says. Cactus Puppy, you made the mode. So shout out to them. Spilo, I don't know if we're, you're still with us, if you're uh, not feeling too well, but do you have any thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I'm dying, but yeah, no. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. At this point, it's not even beating a dead horse. It's just nuking it. Um, TV thing is like, whatever. Um, one thing I will say is like, like, like you were saying there, I think the biggest Overwatch PVE downfall is like how repetitive the combat is. I think that's like my biggest complaint. So like any of the modes where there's like, just, you know, shoot the boss at a thousand HP, it one shots you. That's pretty much it. It's kind of dull. So I hope that even in just like the minor events that they do moving forward, that they, they move away from that. Agreed. Okay. Let's, let's move on then swiftly. So this is the season with Iliari, Flashpoint, and Hero Mastery. So a lot of content, quote unquote. Uh, I think I think let's talk about Iliari really quick because I think I think the devs themselves said this was a really good hero launch for us. Like we were really happy with how it came out. And I think for like the all intents and purposes, it was it felt more like a traditional Overwatch One type hero launch where we got like a cool backstory that came with it, and it was quite tragic and it made you feel like oh man, that's really like damn, I feel really bad for the character and I really want to get to get to know them more. Uh, and of course, she came out pretty like a good good power level as well, I'd say. So style, I'll take it to you first. Iliari yeah, launch. no, I think she was a, I think she was a, a well-designed hero. Um, I, I guess the only thing she was missing was a, a full-blown animated short. But yeah, she had the thing of, um, you could play, make skillful plays on a support, and it's that thing of, hey, it does sort of, if you're a DPS player, maybe would you like to play a bit of support? Because hey, this hero is going to fit into your sort of play style a little bit. So I think she was, I think she's, I think she was okay. Um, yeah, like. I mean, compared to Life Weaver, it was night and day. It, it was a good launch. It was basically it was a good launch. Good job, Blizzard. Yeah, flats. She was a little bit strong though, and they did they did tone her down a little bit. But you know, like we said, Aaron on the the side of like being slightly strong. You know, I played a ton of her. Like, I, you know, to think like I didn't touch Life Weaver at launch because he was shit boring. I don't play Life Weaver anyway, but he was just terribly boring. Iliari was not. I was like, hey, this feels like an Overwatch two hero. Yep. obviously we've you know anyway whatever carry on we'll be here all day <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, how long have we got left 10 minutes for like what five seasons yeah we're gonna have to go quicker <laughs> we're gonna have to go going. quicker flats go ahead <laughs> i'll go really quick then good hero was fun it was that was around the community started to realize support might be a little broken uh i think we would I, for the last couple seasons, I was one of the few people that, like originally it was like holy shit this is getting out of control and season six was like the season of like oh maybe yeah okay and now here we are today like still dealing with shit but good season or hero wise no i think good launch spilo how do you feel i'll speed run it idiari uh good hero pylon kind of strange honestly um not i think i echo a lot of sumito's thoughts on like how i think she's basically played the same way right um which i think is like the one weakness of the character uh kind of does one thing and, and, and does that one thing well but um, not as much dynamics as something like an Ana, but it, it's hard to like hold up the Ana. Uh, Flashpoint, good. Uh, Hero Mastery, huh? Um, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Flashpoint, good. Hero Mastery, huh? Flats, how do you feel about that? Uh, I banged my head against the wall doing Hero Mastery for 10 hours. I, no, I have not played it since. Uh, yeah. I got rank 1, though, so. 
Nice. Well, Hero Gauntlet's out next year as well, isn't it? So that's building up on the um, right mastery thing. So that's the PVE, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's so co-op, that, isn't it? Yeah, that's essentially what's yeah. building on the the Hero Mastery and also the PVE. Right? It's like this, like oh well, they're tower defense now. Yeah, it's oh. like we've got the team. We've got to do something with them. Make this. And we'll see. We'll reserve judgment, I suppose, until we, we learn more details. But yeah, I think I think Flashpoint seems to have gone down pretty inoffensively. Like everyone's like, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, like nothing too crazy, but certainly not the push debacle. And Hero Mastery, similarly, it feels like the people who really like it, really like it. And I think that's cool. I think that's good to have things like that, where it's like the people who really care about this thing, they're really motivated by it. So let them have their thing. Like let the grinders, I know SK loves Hero Mastery. So like, I'm always happy for her getting to like get, you know, spend 20,000 hours perfecting the right run to get rank one, like all good. So I think that was a nice, nice job from them. Uh, I'm going to skip past the defense matrix uh, and move to season seven. Uh, and we get the two reworks in season seven, which is Sombra and Hog. So Spilo, I'll take it to you first. The two reworks, how do we rate them now a couple months distance? Sombra, I think, is like one of those characters that's like honestly really, really, really hard to balance because anything that's like revolved around taking away other people's abilities and permanent stealth, um, I had the I totally ripped you off with a great Sombra debate not too long ago, and I think <laughs> we discussed it at length. Um, you know, I, I think there's still issues around permanent stealth. I think I'm not a fan of the EMP recent EMP changes, certainly. Um you know, I think there's still some things I could do with a character, but but a lot harder to play. A lot. Well, I would say necessarily harder to play. A lot more fun. A lot more fun. I, I think like one of the things that I learned away. Like, I I feel like I learned something from summary where I felt like wow, actually incorporating risk into actions is fun. Like with the translocator change, like having to like actually aim that. Like it's still a wonky hitbox. The animation is so slow. They need to fix a lot of things with that. But like the whole aspect that hey i'm risking my life for going for this instead of like oh i'm just gonna press the button when i get low uh, i have to aim it doesn't go a million feet like that i found that that was like a lot more punishing but also a lot more fun um so i i think like overall like definitely a step up definitely a step up is the hero like fixed no like hack is still you know a really tough ability for a lot of people to deal with um permanent stealth spawn camping all that kind of stuff you can you can argue about that a lot but unquestionably i think better Flats, Zomber rework? Uh, I'm going to make a quick note because of our conversation very much earlier. Uh, I got to be one of the people that playtested Sombra because they needed tank players, and Emong was as well. And Emong actually is the one who suggested the change for them to pick up the pay, like for Sombra to go into uh, stealth after throwing the translocator. That's not how it originally was. It was her normal timer, and it felt terrible. He was the one who actually suggested that, and then they implemented it. So Great change. Adds a lot of yeah. dynamic. So like talking like with their conversation earlier about taking community feedback and whatnot and like outside feedback can actually be very helpful and that was one of the changes for it. Uh, overall though, Sombra I think was, was a really good one. Hog, uh, a hog I think was kind of just funny. Uh, it was just like here have a trap now <laughs> and it's like you know we changed your last, your, your heal last, and last. it's frontline presence mate. It's frontline presence. Yeah, yeah, he does just, so much I, for I, his team now. He does so yeah. much for the team now. Yeah, but yeah. didn't they change? They changed Hog though, didn't they? Because he had an AOE heal off the stuff they showed us. Remember, and then he didn't when he launched. Oh, I didn't. Is... I wasn't. I wasn't in that one. No, yeah, I wasn't. I'm in sure that he one. did. But yeah, it like, was, I... I was. Everyone expected the one three two Hog, right? When we long. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it, it was it it was that, but then they got rid of it, and then it was just uh, he vape healed himself. <laughs> yeah, that would have been I'm... funny if that made it in as well. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I, most of my hog coats at this point are me running around in circles trying not to die healing. Like, it's just, it's kind of kind of dumb. Like, I mean, like, there's don't get me wrong. There's really good hog players that can still play like really well with them. But like, personally, I like the right click, left click dynamic. That's gone now. That was fun for me. Uh, the trap is just kind of kind of just fucking annoying. Like, you know, it doesn't feel that powerful to use. But if you get hit by it, you it sucks. Uh, and yeah, like we we already we already beat it into the ground about like removing like counterplay with the heal and all that shit. So. Yeah, hog bad is, is what I'll say. Hog rework bad, unequivocally yeah. bad is my opinion. So, uh we saw we talked a little bit about the Halloween event, but uh, I think just quick, quick, like you know, summary of like you guys. I think uh, the Diablo event was fun. IMO was good. It was good build on like you know the items that you could collect and. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's interesting to see the systems that they're not using in PVE, and I think we'll get that for a while. They'll they'll start adding things in, like, hey, look, we've got this thing we built, so we're going to use it. Uh, we've got the technology for this now, so let's use it. Yeah, it was cool, but I mean, it just took place at the end of the map. <laughs> and it, it was like so... Yep. I don't know. Last year's was way better. Yeah. So well, the I, Queen event, the Queen Wrath of yeah. the Bride. I had Seagull mm. come back because I thought it was going to be like that, and he came and he, he yeah. left within like an hour. He was like, this this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I was, I was kind of sad. Imagine if they combined like the whole itemization and like weapon upgrades with like the fun map dynamics and the story of the previous Halloween event. Like imagine if they had both of those. Because yep. mm. I, I like the itemization, you know, like it felt fun. Like, hey, my weapon does different things now. Like I can change how I play the game now. But again, it's basically just like walk around and shoot stuff, you know, that's and I think that gets dull after a while. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. this is just it's all stuff from the uh, hero missions that were canceled, talent trees and itemization, you know, I mean. Yeah, I think it's cool that we're going to get to see what they sort of... We'll be able to piece it together, what things should have looked like. But yeah, as, as, a, as an event, it was just totally forgettable. Yeah, again, it feels like it was like the flesh, the the you know, the meat and flesh of like what's going to be built upon later. Like they, they're going to actually like make it more proper. But yeah, I, I like the ideas. I like the itemization and stuff as well. But hopefully going forwards, they can actually make it more meaningful. Uh, and then of course, November, we get... La Seraphim and BlizzCon. So the, the live La Seraphim performance, the collab, the skins, the song, and then BlizzCon drops, we have the World Cup. We have obviously the announcements of things that are to come. So a lot of a lot of exciting things happening in November. A quick touch, of course, I think, you know, Flats, you were there at BlizzCon. Spilo and, and Silos, I don't think you guys were. So Spilo, your sort of impression outside looking on BlizzCon and how you viewed it. I mean, it was great. I mean, it was great. I mean, the rank system was really cool. New rank rewards. I don't know how impactful the whole Emerald thing will be, but I mean, there's there's nothing but really good things to say about it. I think the World Cup was obviously really, really exciting. Um, felt like kind of like a... It was encouraging after the Overwatch League, you know, finishing, like to have like, hey, there's a lot of excitement. It was a lot of fun. It was a great series. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just mostly good stuff. It was nice to see that like they're they're willing to like roll things back you know like with the whole rank thing i think we've we've gone over that multiple times but i think that was the big thing for me uh shoot what else was there i'm forgetting something Le oh, Seraphim. The Le Seraphim? yeah i mean i i pulled a little bit of a boger and farmed some twitter engagement with that one um i got called an awful human being multiple times uh for uh for saying oh no k-pop cringe uh was the best <laughs> the best the best dollar i've ever made off of twitter <laughs> um but 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 unironically like obviously phenomenal collaboration the game was terrible uh but the skins yep. were great um the performance i think i didn't watch much but i heard it was like kind of like a you know whatever um but i mean come on like that that like i think like 
you know, joking aside, like it's, it's good news for Overwatch that they're getting actually good collabs. People are excited about it, you know, making good skins, harmless little game modes that, yeah, they're not that much to it, but like they're harmless, you know? Uh, so like, uh, it was, it was a great thing, I think. That's fair. Sai? Um, to be honest, I'd focus on the World Cup because the World Cup is, it, this is the gateway drug into the esports ecosystem for the casual viewer. Like, they don't give a shit about Overwatch League. They don't give a shit about any, they just don't, but they do care about their country. They do care about their content creators. Except for Team Canada. <laughs> Except for Team Canada. Did you hear about that, y'all? Oh, yeah. I was that in the venue. Else. That was something else. What happened? They basically, oh. like, they had the, uh, the Team Canada game ran over a little bit. We're oh, yeah, yeah, no, I see. Yeah, so they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Korea, yeah. You know? So word on the street is that they didn't expect Team Canada to, like, win a map or whatever. So, or to take, be as competitive. So then they just, like, freaking just cut the broadcast right there. Yeah, and reinforced so the live tweeting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah it was just, you know, I mean, I, I get it, but clearly there has to be another solution. Yeah. Like, that has to be prepped better, because that just leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But, you know, it is what it is. It's a classic Blizzard esports moment. On top of that, too, like the way it was set up was like BlizzCon opened at 10, but the teams were in at 9. And so the game started at 9. That's why there was no audience. There was nobody there. Yeah. And then the lines are fucking miles long. So you don't actually get anyone into the seats till at least 1030, 1045, 11. And then you're like, you're already like through game two into game three. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, guys, come on. But World Cup idea, good. The Blizzard should never yeah. have stopped doing the World Cup because, like I said, it is the bridge. It is like you've got a huge player base, but y your viewership doesn't correlate with your eSport. How do you bridge them? Hey, World Cup, great idea. But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad I mean, that's Flats, Emong, J3, I mean, you guys carried it as well. We're interviewing these guys, like co-casting it. It was nice to go back to Twitch for that, obviously, but, like, I mean, I was just, I mean, that that's what, like, that's what like, the whole eSports side of thing needs to be, to be honest, like Cyber yeah. saying. Agreed. I, I also concur. As someone who's kind of lost touch with the esports scene over the years, I think the World Cup was the one time I was like, oh yeah, I want to check in how these teams are doing. Like, it's these cool narratives, I think, is what Overwatch League misses so often. Uh, it it so is, and also, it, it was a place, um, whether this is right or wrong, but it was a place where players could make a name for themselves. I mean, I was the, the GM for the, the UK team for three years. I, I even played in the first World Cup. <laughs> that was terrible. That was, it was by public vote. Oh, no, 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 no. That was that was so bad. Um, I'm glad they changed it for the next year. But uh, yeah, it's just yeah. I'm just glad the World Cup's back. Yeah, when you I saw think... it with uh, Quartz, people were like, "Oh wow, this guy's crazy." Vestola, you know, Vestola, the guy, uh, he still got it, obviously. Um, I mean, back with, even with Boston back in 2019, Bruce got picked up from his World Cup for the Boston Uprising with uh, Netherlands. So I mean, that stuff happens. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally, totally happens. Yeah, and I think we spoke about it at the time as well about just how how good the World Cup is and and hopefully more things like that. I think though that's that's where Blizzard's involvement should stay on the esports side, and then you know let the scene otherwise be kind of organic, as Philo's already mentioned. Okay, so we move on then. Season that was season seven, it brings us now to December and season eight, where we are currently. Malga launch. Oh, we might have had a Discord cut for a second, but I said basically season eight. Now we fast forward to season eight, where we are currently. And we have Malga and the Winter Wonderland. So we kind of talked a little bit about Malga already, talking about like, well, he's kind of boring and makes like flats called into question their their handling of tanks in the general. But I think a lot of people are seeing this quite negative. So any thoughts on season eight as it currently stands and Malga in particular? I'll go to Spilo first. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's aspects of Malga that are really fun, like lasering people down from long range when it's actually useful. Like, I don't know if that's if you shot farmers out of the sky, but like, if you can get that to happen, that feels amazing. Um, I echo yeah. Yeah, the landing crit as well on the rush is sick. Like, that feels amazing. Like, it feels so satisfying. Uh, but again, it's like one of those things where like they do some number but they don't really deal with like some issues. Uh, I, I'm not <laughs> going to be overly pessimistic. They did revert the incendiary changes. Um, so there's hope, you know, but obviously like it's, it's hard to be optimistic when it's like, you know, we're going to have two and a half weeks of this nonsense. So, um, you know, I, I, I hope they make some additional changes, additional tweaks. Winter Wonderland, I could not care less, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't even think I've played anything having to do with Wonderland, honestly. I've, I've seen that they've got some like new like system going on here, but I, don't, I haven't really checked it out, to be honest with you. Right. I think I'll take that to Stai, actually. So Stai, obviously, there's a lot of controversy around the, the Winter Fair pass. and Yeah. Uh, I like, I feel... I, I... Go ahead. Yeah, I think, like, the, the thing with that is, you know, you see messaging from Blizzard, um, from Jared, where it's like, hey, you know, this is, we're, we're giving you a lot here for, there's a lot of value, you know, we, we, we thought you guys would like this, and we'll be checking the FOMO. I mean, they, that, that's complete bollocks. I mean, the whole thing's built on FOMO. The Battle Pass is built on FOMO, um, and has been since it's been in the game. But the Winter Wonderland stuff being like um, you pay for a premium pass, but you don't get enough of the tickets to unlock all of the content. But wait, you can go into the store and buy enough tickets to just unlock the content. It's, it's weird. It's weird. I don't, I don't know what that's about. It's like, what? it's strange. But uh, what, in fact, one of the funniest things is if you look at the help page on the uh, Winter, I think it's called the Winter Fair, isn't it? At the bottom, there's a conversion rate from winter tickets to Overwatch credits after the event. And it's like some weird number, like... 31 point whatever per ticket it's just crazy just to, like adding another currency to the game more complication more just i don't know it just seems pointless to me flats uh i'm not gonna talk about manga all that stuff uh i, I want to say really really fast i did a video basically where i people respond to a tweet of mine asking like why is everyone pissed this season like because genuinely like i think i've seen more discourse this season but like support being op and whatever and and I also want to give you a small metric, like a small thing. I've been around a long time too, like all, both as a streamer and not a streamer. And you can tell when people are bored when drama starts. When the drama Twitter starts going, that's when people are fucking bored. And like, I think people are so bored of this season for so many reasons. For comp next season, what's the point of playing this season? You know, uh, just fatigue of the game. I, I am I am starting to become a, a strong believer that the game needs a major shakeup once a year. Some kind of major, not just a balance patch that changes the numbers, but like a fundamental change to the way Overwatch is played. And like, for example, like right now, everyone's pointing at Kiriko Suzu. They're pointing at Immortalities. They're pointing at Healing. They point at, you know, One Shots. They're pointing at MAGA. They're pointing, like, they're point, pointing at Maywall. I think people are just fucking bored. Like, realistically, people are so bored. And like, the game feels like if you're playing tank, you're either full HP or you're getting one shot. Supports feel super tanky to fight, but if you play support, you don't feel like you're that impactful unless you're hitting all your cooldowns. And like, you know, even those players, like, you know, like half of them just want to sit there and heal mostly anyways, and they're just starting to learn how to play DPS, like, as a support. And then the DPS players feel like their role is either cosmetic or that you have the Sojourn Mercy that's dominating your entire lobby with 67 kills. And that's what I had yesterday. And yes, I beat the guy with 67 kills in a game. It was the stupidest shit I've ever seen. But point is, I think that the game needs a fundamental shift, whether that's, like, a, a global, like, 30% damage plus uh, healing nerf across the board, makes survivability longer, the tempo, like, the the 
the time to kill in Overwatch is accelerated beyond, I think, almost anything we've almost ever had on how fast you feel like you can die. It feels like Call of Duty sometimes. I think support's been brought back a lot more in line. Um, it's not as OP as people are screaming. I think I sit there and I look back at when I was saying season three, season four, season five, when I was like, hey, support's good. And like, what are you guys doing? Like, you guys are OP. And like, the masses came out and I, I fought the whole support community one via bajillion. And I fucking won. Because um, <laughs> like, oh, here we are now. We look and go, hey, oh shit, this shit's broken. Um, and it's just like, you know, I think we're just bored. And and I don't think that there's ba like a balanced thing that fixes that. I don't think that dropping a new battle pass fixes that. I, and most, and the scariest thing to me was most of the casual replies to that tweet said that this season was boring to them because they didn't like the mythic and that the skins weren't that good or the skins were overpriced this season or like they didn't like the fair. And it all revolved around the skins. And I was like, holy shit, we have no content other than skins. Like, for like most players. So for us, the gameplay gameplay loop is boring and we need some fixes. And I hope some major shifts come soon. Um, and for the casual player, like they just want more skins. Like Yeah, I think I, I think know. I actually I like that take because I think I mean in a way the devs recognize this because they themselves said we want, you know, once a year to drop something that changes the game, and they've kind of alluded to this. they I think at the moment Hero Ban seems to be what they're gearing towards but they have just said themselves flat out they're like yeah once a year we want to kind of shake things up but i think you're right in that people just get bored and this kind of reminds me of like fortnite doing their whole what if we just didn't have building like you know i know it's a core part of our game you know what, SVB, like, that's an interesting yeah. thing is it's like you end up with, with live service games you're constantly adding 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 right. but what we've seen recently is you bring it back to basics and you your figures go crazy it's like Less is more in a lot of these worlds. But the problem with live services, it's the complete opposite to that. It's pumping, pumping, pumping. And you get fatigue. You know, these seasons, they roll past and you end up with players going, well, this season's shit for very basic reasons like Mythic skin shit. I'm not playing. And so they don't play. Well, what are those players doing? They roll on to the next live service game and the next game and that might capture their attention. It's like this constant war for attention. And one of the issues I've always had with, with, with the game right now is... How do they make that moment of drawing players back? And, and like we said, that could be a core gameplay change or and, and it does look pretty obvious that they're setting up for some form of hero band thing coming into the game. Something that pulls players back into the game beyond here's a new skin. But these big money collaborations that are, you know, the, the real world crossovers like the Le Seraphim will be bringing people back to the game as well. So they've got, I don't know, it's, it's, it's it, I think it's just an issue with live service games and it's a wider issue if you look at, I think Sony recently said that they're really scaling back their live service games. Like, so they're not planning on having as many live service games as they, as they, they intended. Maybe the market's just too saturated. It is. And it's, I mean, how, just, how much do you want to like chase that flippant, inconsistent zoomer audience, you know? Uh, for, so actually, you know what, Spillo? That's really interesting because Overwatch 2 is almost aimed at the Valorant audience in a lot of ways. It's like a marked change in the way the game is marketed. It's like, yes. shit, look at what they're doing. They understand Gen yeah. Z and what they're doing is great. We need to do that as well. Yeah. But do you well, know I, what I, like it's... I tell you what, guys, the thing I always say about this is Overwatch 1 had literally 50 million players over its lifespan. Just service them and then build on that. You well, know, don't throw saying. it out the window. You... Like, do you, do we, how much do we care about the flippant, inconsistent people versus the people that are consistently playing the game and want to have a good experience? You know, could you have your cake and eat it too? Could you 
could you go fishing with these big collabs, make an event really fun, and then just, you know, maybe get off the hamster wheel for a couple months, you know, and just, I don't know. Like, I think this is where it's like, I just have to admit some ignorance when it comes to some of this stuff. Cause I, I think like, I don't know, like, like the shape, the, the, I think the format of gaming is, is really completely changed since mobiles. Um, like it's, it feels like such a live service free to play. Like I, I feel like it's such a confusing world now. I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from, Spilo, but I don't even think that's, I don't think that's possible. I don't think it's anywhere on their radar. Cause you know, even again, talking yeah. to Jared, he's like, we're not, we're not a sweaty game. Like, you know, he said this, he's like, look, we're not yeah. as hardcore as Dota. We're not as hardcore as like some of these other games. We're yeah. a bit more chill. We're like in the middle somewhere. Right. And I think, so that, I like, don't I think guess Overwatch... not for like, not for like the hardcore. I'm just saying like the core audience, whether that's the casuals or the serious players, that's kind of what I'm saying. Right. But I think the core audience in a way is just the, the people who come in and out. Like, I think that is what a live service yeah. game becomes. Yeah. It's the that's people the who, built for. Yeah. Who, who go in and out. And I think, I think for them, you're right. Uh, you know, style, which is that like, maybe I think, I think less is more is a really good way of looking at it. And like, just off the top of my head, how many people will come back if they release like a OG Overwatch version, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, loads, yeah. Right. If you just release like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not channeling my inner Samito. Be like six v six guys. But even <laughs> if you just made a a comp mode or like a not like a separate mode that was just like classic Overwatch, right? Just you know what? Bit. They would have made a killing if they removed the Overwatch one skins from the game when Overwatch two launched and then sold them again later. Hire me, Blizzard. The OG uh, classic skin pack. Oh God, that's, that's how you start a riot, dude. That's how you start a riot. You, you've seen yeah, yeah, the forum yeah. post already, but you, oh my goodness. Imagine if they'd done that, the forum post. You'd, <laughs> get, lynched. you'd get lynched for that. Genuine death threats would occur. Genuine death threats. Um, yeah, I, I do think that maybe that's something for them to consider. I don't know if they are. I don't know if that's already on their, on their radar, but I do, I do agree with you, Flats, that I think that like some big shakeups... Cause, cause I think people, I think all of us get bored. All of us who grind Overwatch, we get bored, and we're like, you know, we we have a deep love for Overwatch that runs, you know, to our absolute cores, and we get bored. Let alone the people who have five other games they're running through all the time, and they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm bored of Malga. I'm gonna go play Valorant now. And think about everything we've said here, from everything I was saying earlier about like, you know, like you don't. It's not just about balancing for the top rank. It's about balancing for like the gold players, and like they're if they had to do hero bands. Who do they hate the most? They hate Moira. They hate Bastion. You know, if you take everything we've said and like lump it all together, there's one very like unique thing, and it's that nobody fucking agrees on anything, especially balance. Like, I like certain things I say, people say it's like, oh, that's the worst take ever. And then there's some people that say, oh my God, like that's completely correct. And then it's like some, sometimes it's somewhere in the middle, you know, and it's like, it, it goes that through everything, like in this game, like nobody's going to ever fucking agree. But like when it gets to the point where we're all fucking bored and we got nothing, like it just it's everyone just sits there and just trying to figure out the problem, and everyone just attacks what they think is the problem. And at this point, I think almost everything has been attacked. Like everything is going out, everyone's going after everything, and realistically, we're just bored because at the beginning of Watch Two, the big one was that like support was weak, and the reason why support was weak is because it was so fundamentally different. With like how the way it was played so it was it needed to get some buffs and then take them away as people learned how to play the game and i think that's that was perfectly fine but the point was even then the support players who were still playing quote unquote like dead by daylight you know i think i was one of the people that helped coin that phrase they still played the game and they still had fun they still had a great time they still queued because it was new it was exciting it was fun now we've gotten to the point where it's just it's stale it's stale and when you have all these other live service games that are constantly making updates 
we, you start to fall behind. And I think Apex is having it right now. If you don't follow Apex, I invite you to follow some Apex creators like Hal, Lulu, uh, No Coco, like follow like Sweet Dreams, like you know, follow some of them, and they're all fucking losing it. They're like they're going through their Overwatch, and now like they have Seer, and that was like kind of their brig, and then now they have another character like Conduit, who's like kind of like their like double shield now because like that actually gives them shield and mid fight to give them a second life. They're having their Overwatch moment. It's so funny to watch from the outside, and it's like, unfortunately, we're one of the oldest games, and now we're a live service game. So, like, we have all the problems of an older game while also being some of the first people to have to conquer it without having the resources of something like Fortnite. We're just bored. I don't know what to do. I, you just got to shake it up. Do something. And again, it is Fortnite who are constantly coming out on top. If we look at any live service game, they're the only ones that keep coming back up and staying there. And that's because they do these experiments. Like right now, everyone's playing Lego Fortnite. And, you know, I'm getting DMs. People be like, yo, man, Lego Fortnite. You got to try it, bro. It's so fun. Like, come on, do it with me. You know, like, because they've made something different. And I agree with that. Spilo, any any last thoughts on this before we head to concluding thoughts? No, I mean, I think Flats is right. I think boredom, you know, first anger comes from, you know, just boredom, really. Like when you're bored, you know, you're not playing the game. You're getting unhappy. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. Okay, well, on that note, it's a, it's a note of looking forward. You know, that's how we always do it uh, at the end of this podcast. So we're going to look forward 2024, guys. It could be a big year. It could be a mediocre year. Maybe it'll be the year where we all stop playing Overwatch. Who knows? I obviously vote. I obviously hope that it's a, it's a great year for Overwatch. It succeeds. It thrives. And we hit the highs we hope for. So what are you expecting? And what one hope and one expectation for 2024? Stylos to kick me off. One hope and one expectation. Um, so we know in January they're going to start talking about uh, changes to whatever the monetization is going to look like. Um, probably will include changes to the heroes and the battle pass. I think, to be honest, my 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 hope is I, you've, we've got to be realistic. While the company is now owned by Microsoft and hopefully they become this sort of independent blizzard within that, it's still going to take months for any of that to come into effect. So I think we're going to see the next like half of next year maybe is going to be pretty much more of the same that we're rolling through now and then we might might start seeing sort of major changes so i guess the hope is that once the microsoft sort of takeover is in full effect then we do get to see what this blizzard is about and like like you said earlier svb we can't just blame bobby for everything now and go oh well that's terrible because it was a bobby idea it's like no he's not involved anymore um but, you know, this just goes back to the age-old thing of Overwatch was always this game. All it needed was content. You just had to put content into this game and people would keep playing the game. Now we're at that, but the problem is the content that's being pushed into the game is like, it's throwaway content a lot of it. It isn't content that is like integral to the game. And this is why I think they're talking about core changes in the future going into next year because they stay with the game. And this is sort of like a wider philosophy with Blizzard. Um, some of the coverage, I mean, I don't play World of Warcraft, but I do watch quite a bit of the coverage in and around the game. It's quite interesting, but um, they are going away from sort of adding systems that they remove for the next expansion pack. They want to add systems that they can keep building on. So you've got this thing which is growing. And I think Overwatch 2 needs to do a bit more of that instead of just all this throwaway content that we're never going back and we're never playing again. You know, they need to focus on what matters to the game and, and make changes that, that last. And also, I hope they can make some sort of impact again to draw people back into the game. It's very fair. Spilo? One hope uh, and one I mean, expectation. This would be really, 
Yeah, I, I guess just to I really just echo what Stylosis said. I think the big thing is just that I want to, we want to see them trying some things, getting feedback, quickly making adjustments, trying things, make, getting feedback, quickly making adjustments. Um, you know, like Stylosis was saying, it's like when it comes to this new content, making sure that it's something that's like actually sticks around and people want to keep playing and toying with and tweaking with and enjoy, um, rather than just like, hey, this is an, uh, you know, on. And so obviously there's going to be a lot of trial and error. Um, I just hope that, that they keep that rolling and that, that I will say one thing, like to end it on a positive note is like the communication really has been next level um, really since this summer, late spring, uh, it's really been phenomenal. So I hope that as they continue to try things out that you know, they listen to feedback, but that's also like they keep this open discourse because that has been, I mean, unquestionably the, the nicest thing about Overwatch 2, I think. Actually, Spillow, I'll, I'll just come in a bit there um, to reference BlizzCon again, showing us the footage of Venture and even talking about Space Ranger. I mean, the Venture footage is early development footage. I mean, that, yeah. that is potentially a disaster putting that in public because the average player just looks at it and goes, what is this shit? It looks so bad, mate. What the hell is that? It's like, hold on, that's development footage. So the fact they're even doing that now and they're willing to talk about things this early is really good, at least in my opinion. Anyway, I think it, it shows that they are trying to say, hey, look, guys, this is what we're working on. You know, and, and, and they're sort of, it feels... It sounds a bit ridiculous to say this, but it almost feels like you're bought into the development a little bit as an outsider. You're like, oh, hey, cool. You know, I, I, I'm kind of on the inside a little bit, although you're not, but it, you know, it, it, it's, it's good communication. We talked yeah. about that with like the Blizzard wall, you know, like not taking feedback, not taking advice. Obviously it's not exactly the same thing, but it is, it gives that impression, you know, where it's like, oh, we're, we're involved in it, you know? Mm. Yeah. And a lot of people are really excited for venture as well. And they're, they're kind of waiting now. They're eagerly like, yes, yes, I, I want. I want bitch. I'm waiting for them. All right. Flats, one hope, one expectation. Mm. I I want to say that I think we hit the bottom of Overwatch 2 already. So, like, remember back in Overwatch 1, we were always like, okay, this is the floor. At a certain point, like, one point, we are like, this is the floor. It will never get worse than this. I think we've already hit the floor of Overwatch 2. Of, like, what it's going to, like, unless something catastrophically goes wrong in the next few years, what we saw, like, september into october like august september october that is probably the floor of watch 2 and if you look at most charts anywhere is like you know for what we have for public information right like what like people consume for content you know how often they talk about the game you know like charts like google trends we've either flatlined like flatlined meaning like sustained or slightly upwards um which is a good sign uh, because like for the first six or seven months of the game, it was just straight up like decline the entire way. So like we hit the bottom, okay? Like PV disaster, it's over. It's time to rebuild. It's time to start improving. And like the great part is the floor of where we're at in Overwatch 2 is way fucking higher than the floor was on Overwatch 1. So like, that's great. We're not like, you know, licking the dirt. We're at least like on like some like nice concrete slabs or something, which is great. So I think that, they're making a lot of good decisions and I like that they're communicating and I like that they're being open and they're trying to take community feedback. And something Aaron said was like building live service games is about building it with your community. It's not just us, like them telling us what we want, which is all blizzard. And the great example of that was hero bands, like being hero pools, um, in which then the best hero pools was chosen by a cat. Uh, but then like, you know, now we've gotten to the point where it's like, okay, like, you know, if you guys want this, like we're willing to try this or like, how about this or, and trying to figure out a way to make things better together um, means that at least if things get fucked up, we kind of fuck them up together. You know, it's not like, it's not just your, it's not you, it's your fault. Well, if we suggested it and 
I think honestly, the Winter Fair is kind of slightly actually a good example of like we said last year we want the choice, right? Like with skins and whatnot, like you know, when you give us like the Captain Reaper, like what if I got to choose what skin I want, right? That's kind of what the Winter Fair is. And they give the options. But then they fucked up because like the paid version, they give you more options, doesn't give you all the options. So why am I paying for not all the options? And they're like, well, you told us you want more choice. So it's almost like a, uh, a disconnect there. But they, they're trying to implement feedback, which is great. Um, it's going to take time. And hopefully it continues to keep going that way. And hopefully the Microsoft stuff, you know, takes off the handcuffs quite a bit. But realistically, at the end of the day, the game needs to be good. The game needs to be good. The outer game, the outer grading, greater gaming community does not give a fuck about us. They don't care. They don't even pay attention. Like Overwatch news doesn't hit anybody unless it's negative, right? So the way you fix that is very slowly. You're going to have to just keep making the game better. And like people are going to come back, casual players every few months, they're going to come back in, they're going to sign in. And if they have fun and they enjoy themselves, that's how you start to build your reputation reputation little by little back. And because the trust is a big part of it, and it's going to be a very, very long, hard road. I'm optimistic for 2024, but I think, honestly, even if they had a full year of positives, you'd still be looking to 2025 to make the game even better. Like, it would just... I don't even know if they made every good decision through 2024 would that repair it. Like, that's how far back we are. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Yeah, I think I think it's a really, really good point and assessment that you made there. I, th I think realistically... You're looking at BlizzCon 2024 to be the best moment for elevating Overwatch's status back up, right? Because BlizzCon is this one moment when, you know, the world's eyes are on Blizzard, and then Blizzard has a chance to put Overwatch on a showcase and say, here, this is what we did. We saw that this year where we got we got first up, which is no, very SPB, cool. If I was involved with, it, with, with, with the planning for BlizzCon, I would absolutely, just for a massive laugh, open it with the overwatch logo and a three next to it it'd be so funny <laughs> it'd be so oh, funny April, April Fool's <laughs> and then just cut, go cut cut and then come out no the no, no sorry that's, that's that's not the right one <laughs> <laughs> no and i i think that that's that's where we got to aim for right i think i think in terms of my hopes and expectations i expect that there's the, the things that i know Overwatch are doing well i expect them to continue doing i expect some cool big collabs uh, and I'm sure they'll hit something that's going to be like, oh man, I can't believe they got that to, to, to collab with us. I'm sure they'll do that. I'm sure we're going to see some awesome skins and shit. And I'm sure that there will be gradual incremental improvements as we've seen largely, right? You know, the comm system, again, looking back, I was like, wow, I, I forgot how bad some of this was. And we've kind of slowly gotten better. Same with monetization. We're slowly getting better. Slowly, you know, we have a few gripes here and then, but it's not as bad as it, as it started off. And so I expect gradual incremental improvements my hope is that we figure out the thing that elevates Overwatch to the next level as flats is kind of talking about i think that we've heard a lot from the dev team saying we're we're, we're fig we, we really feel like we figured it out now we really feel like we know what we're doing with Overwatch 2 and that's great to hear and now i'd like to see them really hit that next next gear like really crank it up a notch because it feels like it's just a new team they've taken this one first year to really learn the ropes all right, guys, enough lessons learned. Let's start implementing some of them. Let's start, like, hitting the gas pedal on some of them. And I would like, again, if we talk at BlizzCon 2024 or after BlizzCon 2024 or when we look back at 2024, the year, I hope we're like, all right, yes, we're ready to hit that next level. We're ready to go back up to the top top echelons. And then we'll see. But who knows? Microsoft could be good, could be bad. 2024 could be good, could be bad. 
We'll find out together, fellas. So thank you very much for your time. Flats, Spilo, and Stylo. So thank you for joining me. Please show these guys some love. Fellas, anything else you want to add before I let you get going? No, appreciate you having us. Yeah, yeah keep up the good work, man. No, thank you, guys. Feel better, Spilo. And again, thank you so thank much, you. guys. Appreciate I hope it. to talk to you very, very soon. Peace out. All right, GG's out. Bye.